So uh, we're just sort of waiting now for the uh, actual beginning of the program. I was attempted to kill a little time there. I didn't kill enough time. Just waiting for Sarah to be done. It's my fault. I gave her the... No, I gave you the sheet late. I'm sorry. No, I apologize. I'm just saying waiting for Sarah to finish up booking CNN. I don't want you to miss the beginning of the program. Hi, Tim. How are you doing over there? It's Friday. Yes, it is, Tim. You know what yesterday was? Another day in the life of Richie. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Every day is just another day in the life of Richie. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like the life of Riley, but more horrifying. <laughs> my, my dad used to use that phrase all the time. Well, you know, I'm not living the life of Riley over here. You know, if if, if I think if all this right. show had just a slightly older demographic, we would have to unveil some parody bit, like an ongoing bit called The Life of Richie, but it would be like The Life of Riley TV show. Oh, God, did you hear what I was no, Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know where to start with that. We'll get into that later. Yes, we will. Attraction. Yes, we will, Tim Riley. You know what you are, Tim Riley? You're like that uh, that track at Autopia or whatever at Disneyland where you had a, sort of have the illusion of steering the car, but really there's a track that just keeps you going one way the whole way. It keeps everything sort of on, you know, keeps everything on the straight and narrow. And that's fine. It's my choice to do that. Yes. All right. Who's ready to begin today's program? Oh, I am. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Rick Emerson Radio Program for Friday begins now. Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh, music. Yeah, you know, true music, uh, not just rock and roll. It chooses you. You know, it lives in your car or, or alone, listen to your headphones, you know, with the vast scenic bridges and angelic choirs in your brain. You know, it's a place apart from the vast, benign laugh of America. Did you know that the letter by the box tops was a minute and 58 seconds long? It means nothing. Nil. But it takes them less than two minutes to accomplish what Jethro Tull takes hours to not accomplish. You see, that this is fatuous, pseudo-blubber, you know. I mean, which is fine, but voice it off his art, you know, or the doors. Or Jim Morrison? He's a drunken buffoon, posing as a poet. I like the doors. Ah, uh, give me the guess who. Come on, they got the courage to be drunken buffoons, which makes them poetic. It's quite an honor to have the world's greatest rock critic yes? and editor of Cream Magazine no. back home in San Diego for a few days. Lesser Bangs. Live American woman. Have you ever... The most brilliant piece of gobbledygook ever. Uh, give me some white light, white heat. Iggy Pop! Aim! Man! Oh, I just put this on. This isn't on your playlist either. I think it's a little bit early for that. Not for me. Okay, well, that was Lester Bangs. This is Alice Wilson, and here's Nikki Pop. Fantastic. Why, hello, 
It's 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. You know what would make that opening segment even better, Tim? If during it someone is being mauled by a cat, savagely, right on camera for everybody to see. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there is something like that to be seen. Is that posted at RileyLive.com, Tim? It is. If you go to RileyLive.com. Oh, we saw the best savage cat. Not a cat being mauled. It was a cat mauling somebody. A reporter. It was a tell, And it was the best thing. It was all of our favorite things put together. Uh, it was an animal attack. It was captured on television and then played back several times in increasingly slower motion. And then it happened to an anchor. It happened to like a really like prissy blonde woman right on television. We'll it play wonderful. it later. Fantastic. All right, let's begin today's excursion into comedy, shall we? It's uh, 503-733-2970. We are here from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, lovingly assembled here in the United States by the world's finest robots. It's 503-733-2970. You'd like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, give us two cents, uh, or what have you. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and disgusting, uh, and there to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. I almost feel like we ought to fold Richie into... Not fold Richie, but you know what I mean. Like, we ought to sort of work Richie, not work Richie. I feel like we ought to use Richie... There's no way I can say this where it doesn't sound perverse. I feel like we ought to take all of these things that Richie has done, and some of the... the Richie, I would say, is averaging 1.9 horrifying or surprising revelations every single day now. I mean, it was just sort of a... I mean, originally it was just kind of a trickle. Every now and again we'd hear, like, okay, sure, locked up in a mental house for three weeks. Okay, blew himself up with dynamite. But, I mean, really, every day now there's, there's something coming out. So I almost feel like we ought to make this into some sort of contest. Sort of a sort of a spot the fake Richie revelation, or where we put, you know, where we have Richie admit to three horrifying things, one of which is true, and then you got to figure it out. It's all very disturbing. You don't even know. Um, what was I saying? Oh, in any event, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is Friday, and welcome to day twelve. Thank you for coming along. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson dot com. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today will win uh, the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel. Working in conjunction with BMX legend Matt Hoffman, Johnny Knoxville hosts a super stunt spectacular in homage to the late great Evil Knievel. Over an hour of special features that include behind-the-scenes photo gallery and music videos, the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel, available on DVD now. Uh, so that's uh, one random lucky caller coming up later on today. All right. Here's what else is happening today. This we know to be true. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us. Uh, apparently Hillary and Obama, I guess, met without anybody around. No aides, no television cameras, no microphones, no, no whatever. And Nancy Pelosi went upstairs. Is that true? Yeah. Well, did she go upstairs and listen at the door? Well, she, she offered her home. Wait, what do you mean she went upstairs? They were at her house. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was like at a... Uh, like a like a courtyard Marriott or something. Oh, it's Nancy Pelosi's joint. All right then. Uh, I'm sorry, not Nancy. Uh, what am I saying? Diane Feinstein. Diane Feinstein. I always get those two chicks. Well, they both have San Francisco <laughs> dogs. <laughs> I always get those two dames confused. One skirt's pretty much the same as another. Yep. Diane Feinstein. What a what a weird slice of Americana that woman is. Yeah. Um, well, in any event, so we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins about that. Steve Kastenbaum will join. Did you see there was some guy? What was it? What the hell was it that he? Was it the uh, 
Was it the Was it the New York Times building? This is one of those nutcase oh, guys who just Frenchman? climbs yeah. the side of a 52-story skyscraper. Anyway, so we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about that. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Rupel joined us from uh, Los Angeles today. Uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. We will count down the top five Pink Floyd songs not found on the wall. Uh, let's see, what else? Geek Watch coming up today. Taser Watch. Penis Watch. Uh, it may or may not be High Concept Friday, like depending on how much time we have to sort of get to everything. Um, there's a whole pile of news stories to get to. Uh, we'll talk more to Improbably. To Richie Bristol, uh, your phone calls and uh, so forth. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, Glorious Bastard of the Week, too. I mean, if you're the Glorious... People have asked me about this. If you're the Glorious Bastard of the Week, you do get notified. Like, there's an email that goes out. Presumably, that's a thing we announced on the air, but I kind of slacked on it recently. I haven't really... And play, it, it, because I lost the music bed. Because I had that... Dun, 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 that sort of... That sort of bonanza, uh, you know, like gun smoke music bed that I used. And I don't know where that went. I think it was in the great off-turning of my computer. That was somehow lost. So all I've got oh, now... the fabulous Glorious Bastard music? Yeah. I, so I don't know where it went. So, I mean, all I've got now are just sounds that don't make any... You know, just sounds that don't make any sense. Uh, so, but we'll do the Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, later on that today. We will do that. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. So Hillary will officially drop out tomorrow at noontime Eastern Time. She and Obama emerged from a private meeting at Diane Feinstein's D.C. home last night laughing. So the latest poll shows 54% of Democrats agree that Hillary should be vice president. So hmm, we'll find out what happens. Barack Obama denies there's video of his wife uh, going on a whitey rat. <laughs> John McCain said he would like to see a man on Mars, preferably Obama. A campus teacher is given the boot for calling two students who don't look like the rest terrorists. Another teacher threatens to rip the student's eyeballs out. A candy man is accused of being feeding two with a tire iron. A who, Tim? A candy man. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'll make people wait. Uh, let's all pray it doesn't rain on tomorrow's Grand Floral Parade. Let's all pray for that right now. Rain. Gas price. Gas prices in SoCal inching closer to five bucks a gallon. They're already well past that for premium and, and uh, diesel. Has HBO gone too far? Yes. Coming soon. Little Britain, USA. How is that possible? Little Britain, USA. Little Britain, USA. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> what? Little Britain, How USA. How can it be Little Britain it's if like it's... like in Arrested Development. Exactly. Yeah. How can it be... I don't know. We'll find out. It's just a tease. <laughs> okay. Make me wait, Tim Riley, damn you. The soon-to-be homeless Ed McMahon and his very unpleasant wife, who can barely speak because there's so much Botox in her face, I groveled before Larry King last night. Did you see it? <laughs> no. You couldn't understand a word. I mean, she's she's struggling to keep, like, one side of her mouth <laughs> flapping as she's trying to speak. For fear that her face will crack apart. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he's, uh, so they groveled before Larry King, and it was interesting. A paisley pop star turns 50... And uh, the stolen baby Jesus is found. All right. Excellent. That's a lot of stories. It really is. And that's not even counting. Uh, I mean, one of these days I'm going to have Richie come in and take like a, like a photograph from far away showing the layout of the counter. Because we sort of described the counter. And for a long time we talked about the fabled news pile to my right, which is now no longer accurate because now there's one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven stacks of things. I mean, I don't even know how many, I don't know how, what percentage of these things I even get a chance to look at every day. I'd say less than 10%. Um, but there's this whole stack of, I got two different stories. Do you have the story about the woman falling in love with the Berlin Wall? I do. <laughs> have you That's heard the story? No. You, like, gays get married. That's exactly what it is, Tim. 
First the gays, then they're going to be marrying potted plants. I think that then we have a woman wedding the Eiffel Tower. See, so it's already started. But see, I think it might be the same woman. Or no, maybe not. It's a different woman. There's a woman who's married to the Berlin Wall, and then there's some really... There's some she's facts. married to the Berlin it's, Wall? You don't even know. It, it, Cheryl, uh, the Hawaiian, came by my office yesterday, and she's like, have you seen the story about the woman who was married to the Berlin Wall? And I said, what? And she said, hold on, I'll get it for you. And then she came back. I don't even want to tell you the whole story now because it's worth, I mean, waiting for it. It, it sounds like an onion story, sort of, except not. Anyway, uh, that... I have two different stories about people inadvertently setting their homes on fire while doing things that they really ought to have known better about. Um, Richie just put the most horrifying thing I could possibly imagine on my screen. <laughs> Richie, for, the, for just a moment... I don't think he can top what he told me this morning. Well, it's related to that, I think. Okay. Jesus. Um, let's see, what else? Did you see this thing about a, a coach with a hidden porn collection? The coach's name is Dick Dickerson. I did not. No. There's really nowhere to go from there. That's just the that's that's really the whole bulk of the story. This is from uh, the Southtown Star, which I guess is I always think they're in Texas. Whenever I don't know where a story is, I think it's in Texas. Dick Dickinson seemed like <laughs> seemed like your typical youth football coach. Blah 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 blah. Huge porn collection. This weird thing about the uh, this thing about the guy who exposed himself. No. no. All right. Okay, never mind. So we've got that as well. It's all, it's all very too much complex. or too little caffeine today? I've had just the right amount of caffeine. All right. Hello, Sarah. Dylan, how are you today? Hello, Rick Emerson. Uh, I'm doing fabulous. I went and saw a Timbers game last night. And it, well, it was good except for, you know, 0-0. Zero, zero. What kind of team is that? I think it's, it's a, a soccer team. soccer team. You can tell because the score was 0-0. Zero, zero. That's how you know you're dealing with soccer. Indeed. I'm just, you know, it, soccer really just seems to be an exercise in running around. And you know what? And I, was sit, I was sitting up in uh, the 200 level, and I looked over to my left, and I saw the person recording the game, and it was Siegfried. Really? Yeah. Actually, Siegfried is everywhere. I know. I was just like, I just came and tapped on the show. I'm like, hey, Siegfried, what's up, dude? Really? Every film, every film project you see, every television show you're familiar with, every time you see anything being uh, worked on anywhere in some sort of filmic capacity, they there is Siegfried. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, in any event. All right. So we'll, we'll get calls here in just a second. Uh, Richie Bristol will come into the... I don't even know where to start with Richie except to read this email. Did I mention this coach's name is Dick Dickinson? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and I got to meet Timber Jim. He was standing in line for a hot dog yesterday. I thought you already knew that guy. No, that's Timber Joe. Oh. He's the one... Sorry. He, he was on our... Um, on our bowling team. He was on Richie's bowling team when we did it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jim Jim's the one who's been the mascot for like 30 years. And okay. I was sitting there, and he was waiting in line to get a hot dog, and I got to meet him. It was really exciting. Uh, we've got this. This kind of sums the whole thing up. This is from, I, I, I believe this is a woman, but I don't really know. Her name is Delphi. Delphi. That sounds like a woman. Um, subject line, the vial that is Richie. That's vial, V-I-L-E. Rick. You, Sarah, and Tim are so interesting, twisted, and funny that it's just ridiculous. Thank you very much for keeping me entertained. I listen to the podcast every day. I am a loyal spreader of the word. However, I have an observation. Richie Bristol is vile, disgusting, nasty, and nauseating. Every time his name is mentioned, my stomach flips. Anytime he's on the air with that terrifying intro music, I throw up inside my own mouth. I understand he does a great job screening and booking and whatever else he does behind the scenes, but every time Richie is on the air, I feel violated and dirty. I just thought you should be aware of the effect he has on at least one listener. Thanks. Keep up the great work. Delphi and Lake Oswego. No, no, no. Thank you. Now, the pleasure is all on this side of the table. You... All right. Uh, well, let's... Uh... I don't even know where to go. You tell me, Sarah. Do we talk about it now or not? Let's talk about it. You know what that means, don't you? No. Right here. 
I'm feeling fine, by the way. I've had exactly the right amount of caffeine. Oh, and I had one of my two shrink appointments this morning, so... So I had that today. Um, the truth shall set you free. No, I, it was... Well, it was interesting. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I uh, Nothing like getting... And it was in Clackamas, of course, uh, where they need mental health. There's nothing like getting up at 7 a.m. to fight. I mean, it's one thing if you're fighting traffic to get out of Clackamas. I mean, you would really walk across glass and through fire to get out of that place. You know, if you're in Gresham, if you had to jump across... I don't know, razor wire and swim through shark-infested waters. It's fine because the reward is being out of out of Gresham. So here I'm getting up at 7 o'clock this morning, driving all the way into Clackamas. Uh, so I can sit there in one of the... I won't name my insurance company, uh, except to say that... Uh, to say that I don't have the sounder. Why is it not playing? I can't seem to... No, that's not the... Well, whatever. Anyway, that's the only sounder you left with. I can't... Nothing else will play. The specified parameter is out of range. I love, I love explanations on the screen that don't mean anything. Anyway, I barely that's work. what I was looking to play. Anyway, so I'm sitting there in my, in my, you know, the waiting room of the hospital, and of course, they, you're all in one. You know, whether you're there for like head shrinking or there to get like a foot amputated, you're all in the same waiting room initially. So you're just sitting there breathing in the assembled scourge and germs of a thousand filthy people, and you just. You know, looking at your watch, just tapping your foot nervously, and meanwhile, on all sides of you, in 5.1 sickness surround sound, there's a... <laughs> just wondering what newly airborne strain of some horrific inside liquefying germ you're inhaling at that moment. You're about to become the patient zero for some new kind of Ebola. Anyway. Authorities say it started with the Portland man who began bleeding from the eyes during his radio program. And you're sitting there in the waiting room just breathing all this in. Anyway, so then I go in to meet with the shrink, and that was a whole... That was a whole ball of fun and snakes. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. Jesus, you're weird. So, all right. <laughs> so people who were just listening to the recap heard this. This is really there's no other term for it. This is a horrifying story. Let me take that back. I don't mean. Of course, you're allowed to have a personal life. It's healthy. It's normal. It's whatever. But here's the horrifying part. So as you described yesterday on the program, so you made the acquaintance of a young lady uh, when uh, two nights ago. So yep. it would be Wednesday night? Yeah, Wednesday night. And we used to have on the back shelf of the studio all of these unopened uh, sex toys from Taboo Video, one of our fine sponsors. And they, they had just sort of given us over the years, and because they do a lot of promotions with us, and they, you know, they, they sponsor a lot of our events. And so they'll always come by, and, hey, it's a big basket of dildos. And but it's like there's really only so many there's only really only so many like like glass phalluses one can use and so some of them by necessity have just sort of been sitting on the back shelf taking up space along with various bottles of lubricating substances and so you came in yesterday and you told them the story about how you you know gotten your sex on with some foolish woman and <laughs> and, and then at the end of it you tag it by saying I'd like to thank Taboo Adult Video because all those sex toys in the back shelf of the studio are yeah, gone and he even thanked him too he's like thanks for uh, Taboo Video for being an active part of my sex life I think Taboo would be happy about that I'm just saying I don't really know that we were prepared for that revelation did you really put that on your blog uh-huh. What does his blog say? Do you have it in front of you by chance? Um, yeah, I'll find it. Right what, is your, what is your website, Richie? RichieRadio.com. That's Richie with a T. RichieRadio.com. So there's some... There's, it, it, so he makes okay. observations about his recent carnal knowledge. It says, thank you, www.tabuvideo.com, for being part of my sex life. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't be posting every time I get laid, but since it's a friend of Rick and Sarah, I thought it was related and extra entertaining. Oh, see, so now she's a friend of ours. Initially, it was just somebody we sort of knew. I don't have any friends knew. that would sleep with Richie. I love you, Richie, but I can't. I try not to anybody. have friends. Period. I can't. This is really. This is, this is, this is, 
Yeah, if only they knew who. Will they figure it out? Oh, no. Are you just jacking us up, though? Is it somebody it. we really know? Uh, is it somebody we know well? I don't know. Is it somebody... That, let me ask you this. Is it somebody whose phone number we might have? I mean, is it that, that close of a, of a friend? Let me just say I saw both of you with her in public in the last month. You are such a bastard. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, in any event, okay. So, why do you think she doesn't want you to know? All right. Well, let's back up for a second. So, you use all of these marital aids or relation aids of sex toys or whatever they are from Taboo in your encounter the other night, <laughs> which are still on my floor. Please. So that's. Oh my God, Richie, you are the tackiest person I have ever seen. What do you mean they're still on your floor? I haven't touched them since I last used them. He is, left as his like sex a, as, toys strewn about his house that he like shares a, with a roommate. Is like a decorative choice? No, I just haven't <laughs> thought about it. Is that sort of like a trading space? It's kind of a thing. Did Troy Pennington come to your house? What you want to do is you want to get used sex toys, and you want to put them in every room, and that's really going to give it a much more freed kind of space. <laughs> so it's like some horrible feng shui in hell. So what do you mean they're just laying around? I haven't touched them since I last. But, I mean, Why? I was too tired last night. <laughs> <laughs> what with all the sexing? Yeah. So you, so you use how many? How do? Oh boy, I don't even know if I want to ask, ask this. So in the course of the evening with the woman, how many external? Uh, how many? How many? How many implements would you say you used? Uh, Counting bottles and containers. Let's see, there was three on the left, two on the right, two under the bed, and one in the couch. But did you use all of them? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I want, you said like, like some. You said like some pedophilic Kool Aid man just said. Oh yeah. It was like Easter. You don't want to. You don't want to. You know. Easter. All right. So unfound egg laying around, so to speak. So you use ten different <laughs> marital aids. But, when you, but, but they're all just left laying around the house. Wherever. You, who lives there with you? My brother. God, your poor brother. So Has your brother expressed any sort of horror or maybe confusion or perhaps concern that you just leave sex toys laying around the house and no. used ones? Maybe the mess on the couch. Oh, dude, I don't even want to know. All right, Richie, so, and say what else you said this morning. Go ahead and oh. tell. Go ahead and tell. Tell. Tell me what you told Sarah. Uh, about what? That I'm going to sell them on eBay? Or they're on Craigslist right now. What are on Craigslist right now? <laughs> the used to adult toys. Why? I don't know. I'm just seeing if somebody's going to buy them. Well, you know somebody's going to buy them. You know somebody's going to buy them and they're going to clone you. That's what they're going to do, Richie. That's the, that's the, that's the logical Gattaca-esque endgame of this whole thing. They won't yank them from... I mean, I was clean talking about not them. use the word yank. Maybe they'll set up a table at a Taboo Video <laughs> like, like they do for us at, at the uh, bookstore. Buy Richie Bristol's used sex toys. Oh, no. Wait, how, what did you label them under, If you Richie? go to Craigslist and you type in, I think, for Richie. sale, you know the for sale? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I didn't put my name in. Batteries. Oh, yeah, you don't want to give, you don't want to put your name. You know what I With the Z B R. A T T I. You know uh, why? Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't put your name on there. You don't want anybody to know y that you're doing this. Batteries Y Z. Collectible adult toys, a hundred dollars. Collectible, get the whole set. I have some recently used collectible adult toys used in the heat of passion. Oh my God! Who would go on Craigslist and buy used set batteries? They're still in great shape and hum like. Oh God! <laughs> I don't want to. Hum know. like boats on board motor. Hums work great. 
keep going, going. There's also some used cherry flavored lotion. Some used. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard. There's some... been basically only used once. They still have residue of love on them. <laughs> These originated from Taboo Video, but they work great. Residue of love. <sighs> Do you think that'll last? Richie. I might make some money off of <laughs> For the love of God. There's some weirdos out there that'll... <laughs> yeah, there's some weirdos out there. Why not? Why not attract them? There's out there, Richie. That's where the crazies are. The only problem is I'd have to actually meet with them, I guess. Okay. Maybe I should switch to eBay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was going to talk about my visit with the shrink this morning, but I think I would be overshadowed by the insanity of the person standing next to me. So let's take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, top five, all of that, and more coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Dude, I did not even know that he was selling them. I. Why would you... Why would you leave 10 used sex just toys laying like, around your house? You just put it up 10 minutes ago, too. It says 11, 16 a.m. It's not like it's a plate of dishes you had nachos on or something. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's, not, like it's, it's not like it's an ice cream scoop from Saturday night that you just haven't gotten around to soaking yet. Like, who even... I have some recently used collectible adult toys. What does collectible even mean? I don't know. I think they're collecting something. And I'm just perplexed by the fact that it's somebody that he's seen you and I in public with in the last month. I can't even imagine who that would be. Are you mentally running down the list of people yes. in your head you know that might, under some circumstances, be fooled into having sex with Richie? Yes. I have, I have one that I'm kind of thinking I can't. Of. I can't think of... I mean... Well, because there's that one I said yesterday, but then you informed me that she was... Richie said flat out no, that that's not her. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I know who you're talking about. No, there's no way. Really? No, there's no way. All right, we, we have to break. Okay. For the love of God. All right, back after this. It's the... It's the rate of the Richie won't wash off! Jesus, we're moving on. Even my uh, sensibilities have been offended, which really does take some work. All right. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing, the last thing I'm going to say about it is this, and then we'll move on from Richie, perhaps forever. Here's the thing. The selling them online is actually not so weird. I mean, that almost is... I mean, that almost, A, because he is such an exhibitionist, and B, that almost passes like a kooky radio bit. Totally. And then he's going to sell them online. That's like a wacky DJ team that sells like a piece of toast that Britney Spears almost ate. You know what I mean? It's like, like Britney Spears will come to the studio and she'll touch a water glass and then they try to sell it on eBay for like $10,000 because they're crazy. Or Ozzy Osbourne chews a piece of gum and throws it in the garbage. And then a guy fishes it out of the trash and takes it home, even though he's a grown man uh, that should know better. So, yeah, exactly like that. Um, right next to his collection of guitar picks, which would be the first thing he saved in the event of a fire at his home. I'm just saying. So that actually doesn't weird me out so much as the fact that he just left all those devices laying around his house. Well, I guess they're still there. It's like three days of just sitting around the house. That's just gross. All right. All right. Let's take a moment and... <laughs> All right, let's welcome down to the Ricky Rippin Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi, guys. How are you today? I am well. How are you? Oh, we're so unclean. You don't even know. Really? Uh, so, and so please unclean. believe me when I tell you you don't want to know. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, wow. No. I feel like uh, the summary is, is uh, probably just fine. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, uh, let's just, we'll skip to the bottom. You don't need to see the math. We'll skip oh, to the end of the page. Oh, all right. Just okay. take it from me when I say that the, I have heard what no man should hear. Oh, no. I have, I have been to the dark side already in today's program, and from there my soul will never come back uh, the same. So, all right. Well, in any event, 
Uh, okay, yeah. I have a, here's a question. And somebody sent me uh, a question about Hillary Clinton yesterday, and I sort of meant to get to it, uh, and then I, I didn't. I felt sort of bad that I didn't ask you the question. I don't have it in front of me, but what he essentially asked was, he said, this is sort of like uh, Fred Thompson or somebody who sort of strung out this whole idea that he was going to be announcing his run for president, and he sort of dragged it along and dragged it along and sort of teased everybody with it, and it sort of postponed and prevaricated and equivocated. Right. West Clark as well, yep. But I understand that I understand if you're going to be announcing that you're going to run for something while you do that, because then you turn one news cycle into ten news cycles for no additional cost and whatever. What is the difference between Hillary Clinton saying that she's going to withdraw tomorrow or today or whenever it was and actually doing it? <laughs> and what are people doing in the meantime? Does that mean in the meantime she's still technically running? Right. It's all very strange. Right. In the real world, there's no difference at all. It's completely semantics. It's I think it's 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 spin. But in the political world, it does matter because what happens is uh, you've got this constant sort of checking of reporters versus campaigns, and there's constant pushback. So if a campaign says she plans to announce that she will be doing this, and a reporter says she's doing this. The reporter will get calls and say, no, no, she's just announcing it. Which is why, you know, when Stephen Colbert announced that he, I don't know if anyone was listening to um, NPR yesterday, they did a great summary of this entire primary on both sides. When Stephen Colbert announced he was maybe running for uh, president in South Carolina, the, the announcement was essentially, I'm announcing that I am considering potentially whether or not I might run for president. So, I mean, it's the thing and that that's she's... that's what's going on. Is yeah. she, she's going to draw it out so she can keep enough of the heat and enough of the spotlight on her then to increase whatever presumed leverage she's going to have either with Obama himself or with the party? Well, I think the leverage moment has passed. I think I think it really was a, a narrow window of this week. And I think, I think it may still be underway, but I think even her top uh, supporters sort of admit she's, she's pretty much moving on. They had, you know, Obama and Clinton had that secret meeting at, at California Senator Dianne Feinstein's house last night. And, I, you know, that discussion was, was probably the apex of um, her influence at this point with the Obama campaign. Now, it will continue. There will still be that plot line, I think. But I, I don't think she's going to have any more influence than she had Last night, and it, because it's very, it's she, she's made the announcement tomorrow. She's going to, uh, you know, be at the microphone and officially say farewell as a presidential candidate. So I, I think she had a narrow window and she went for it. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, the just the whole dynamic between Obama and Clinton and between their two camps, and uh, you know, and between Clinton supporters and Obama supporters, and the weird tangled relationship that Hillary Clinton has with America in general. Uh, there was some, some poll that came out today that said that 54 percent of Democratic voters believe that she ought to be the number two. Mm. And it does. Here's the thing. And this is just my read on it. The thing about Barack Obama right now is he is he is in that weird nether region from which all great outcomes derive, uh, either spectacular success or dismal failure on a really epic level. It's and, true. It's true. The expectations are, are so enormous for him. And in that, I think if we take it as read, and I think most people do at this juncture, that Hillary Clinton and the Clintons represent the sort of, which seems weird to say this, because I remember when Bill Clinton was the breath of fresh air and we didn't stop thinking about tomorrow and so forth. Uh, it seems strange to think of the Clintons as the old school party machinery, but they, but they sort of are perceived as that. And so I guess therefore right. they are that. Eight so years from the White House will do it to you. That's right. And so Barack Obama is at this moment where, as I see it, he either 
you know, he either takes the sort of, I don't want to say a sure thing, but he takes the safe bet of putting Hillary Clinton uh, on the ticket, and the safe bet in the sense that the Clintons know the party machinery and they know the levers to pull, sure. and she brings 18 million voters, maybe, uh, or sort of striking out and, and doing something completely different. And I think, ju- and I said this about, about the party themselves in the selection of Obama as the nominee, that if it comes to if he goes a different direction and doesn't take Hillary, if he if it comes together and he wins, it, he's he really is. I mean, he's just going to have a golden glow on him that's never going to come off. I mean, he really is going to look like the guy who gambled it all, uh, and you know, and really came out on top. If if things somehow go south, though, if if things somehow end up just going down in flames this fall, I mean, I can't even imagine the level of recriminations that are going to be all around uh, for having passed up what really does seem like a big advantage to the to the ticket it's true or or i can imagine a scenario where there would be and you know al gore anger times 10 if, yeah. if democrats felt like they were cheated if it, barack obama specifically if they had any kind of possible plot line where he was cheated out of a win that that anger would be i mean a potential riot level but you know i still disagree with you about Hillary Clinton necessarily bringing all 18 million or nearly 18 million voters. I think there really is overlap. I think our polls are showing that um, those voters, there still are probably 20 percent or so that that are like that say they'll vote for McCain, who who wanted Hillary Clinton. That's that's the group he's got to focus on. But Hillary Clinton's big pitch was that she won over women, that she could bring women into the Barack Obama camp, especially white women. But a poll that CNN's going to release in just about uh, an hour or so, uh, and I'll cheat by telling you guys now, that it suggests actually implies that. I'll just give you the numbers, essentially. It shows that, that women are in Obama's camp 51 to 43 over McCain, but it's men. That's the area where Obama lags behind McCain, which makes sense when you look at traditional Republican and Democratic groups. So, you know, he, he needs to do more work with the men than he does with the women. And and so you, and, and Hillary is not really the key to, to – Hillary is not the key to male love, is what you're saying. No, she's not. She's not. I'm not saying she could never be, but right now she certainly is not. Oh, boy. I just – the math on this, I mean, when you just sort of sit and look at the whole thing – and i got to tell you, just, just my gut sense looking uh, toward November – I, I, and I know you said this for some time now that the, the conventional wisdom is that it's it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I really, I really couldn't call it, uh, you know, uh, Obama uh, versus McCain this fall. I really don't. I really don't even know. I really don't know. I mean, I think at the end of September we'll have an idea. We'll have some debates at that point, and I think we'll have an idea of how close it's going to be or not. You know, the one thing that had a flicker of doubt in my theory that this will be very close, regardless was John McCain had an appearance two days ago, uh, and Jeannie Most included it in one of her packages, and he made this very strange, smiley face. And any listener who knows what I'm talking about oh, yeah. completely is there. And, and that face, if he keeps making that face, he's done. I think somebody, there was actually a blog I read yesterday about how a lot of video clips of him making that face have been taken off YouTube mysteriously. In oh, the really? last, there's, I was reading, I think it was Daily Kos yesterday, they, they were talking about this video clip and i know exactly what you're talking about and they said that a lot of the if you do searches for that a lot of those videos are now showing up as not searchable they've been removed due to really? yeah due to due to you know has been remote, removed due to copyright infringement is kind of what they go to but i mean youtube is 98% copyright infringement well, i mean right, right. you know yeah. and so but there's a lot of but those clips have sort of mysteriously been pulled down over the last couple of days you know i never like bringing up an issue that isn't substantive as having a big impact but i think 
that kind of that that moment and the way he sort of was trying clearly it it just feels really disingenuous and i think i think that's something that 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 kind of he's got to walk away from that people he needs to come across is mr straight talk express again and that face just did maybe that's really what he smiles like but it no that that face looks seem right that face is not mr straight talk that face is the little wooden boy who wishes he was real it was really it was really odd, and yeah. I think he's got a, at all costs. Well, you know, uh, you know, the, the feel. Look, I got to tell you, you should know this by now. This show is the one place where you need feel no shame about talking about the non-substantive <laughs> or the superficial. I mean, really, that's like eighty percent of what we do. Uh, but we, you know, we were talking at some length yesterday about uh, the, the pitch and tones and timbres of different speaking voices, and how I think uh, that I think. One of the things that really, in a strange way, did did in George W. Bush, just in terms of, of how people feel about him personally, is that he does have such an unpleasant speaking voice and an unpleasant style of speech. And I'm not even talking about his various grammatical lapses. He just, the, I know so many people that say that they they have an almost visceral physical reaction to the sound of George W. Bush's voice. He begins to speak, and they just shudder, and they have to leave the room. And I know we've said that Hillary Clinton has a very, uh, what we might charitably call a strident tone of voice, mm. occasionally shrill. Uh, John I McCain. For sure, yes. I, I think her voice is not ideal. And I think these things really do matter. Uh, John McCain sounds sort of crusty and enfeebled, uh, whereas Barack Obama really does have a crisp and warm timbre to his voice. And I think things like that... Mm. It, in a cumulative sense, over a protracted period of time, I think little things like that do really start to matter. Um, and being taller, George Bush is the exception. Usually, the tall guy wins. The, um, the you know what George Bush is? George Bush is a nebbish. That's I mean that really is what George Bush. Anybody who who rolls with the Yiddish knows what I'm talking about. There, he's just a nebbish of him. He's a he's a he's a, a he's a schlemiel. And I think he just they just they tried so hard to make George W. Bush come off as just macho and swaggering. And I think that's like I think that's like one good coat of paint that wears off real quickly, and you can't quite ever put it on again. Uh, <laughs> as we sort of wrap this up, Tim Tim Riley, our news director, handed me this. This is from HillaryClinton.com, Tim. This is where if you want to go see Hillary at quote a special event in Washington D.C. Uh, June seventh, ten a.m. Is that is that the today thing? Is that, is that that's the tomorrow. tomorrow thing. So I guess this is if you'd like to see Hillary Clinton uh, quit. So you actually now have to uh, you have to go to her website and actually fill out a form and submit it to see yeah. if you will be one of the lucky few that gets to go and see her kind of finally throw in the towel. So it's doors open 10 a.m. our time, 10 a.m. East Coast, and uh, she starts speaking at 12 noon. So if you guys want to you know turn on the TV at 9 a.m. Get it up. Is, sure, people will be loving to get up at 9 a.m. tomorrow to catch that. It is really fascinating. I think she still just is a little my read on it as an armchair psychologist is that she's just a little stunned. I get the feeling she still just can't quite, you know, it's like when Bugs Bunny sort of goes, you know, I, I and can't quite figure out exactly what the hell just happened to him. No, I, I think, yeah, I think that's right. I think I told you, Terry McAuliffe, just before she gave her speech in New York, I was standing right next to him as he was running up and down the line of her supporters going into the event, and he's shaking hands, shaking hands, and he's like, we're not giving up, we're uh. going to convention. And I came back, and I uh, passed this on to Candy Crowley, and we both just shook our heads, and I said, it's really kind of cruel. <laughs> it's just sort of mean to say that because the supporters were like, yes, that's right. You can still do it. He's like, that's right. And I, I just I felt like it was one of the meanest things I'd seen in a while, but he clearly still believed it or or seemed to. He wanted to believe it anyway. Uh -oh. Really quick, I have to say, I have to give you credit. 
for the Stalin story yesterday, I, I thought that it was really maybe an hour or two that, it, that Stalin mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, dead before they found him. And it, it's, it's actually, it's, it's a matter of debate. It looks like maybe four hours, but it could have been as much as a day. Fantastic. I just, in, in my head, I just love the image of, of you know, the, the man of steel there exuding such fear into his uh, followers, even after his death, that they won't open the door. Right. And, oh. he, and he, you were right, though. He had given the order, do not disturb me. And and they waited and waited. And you know what? The when, from the Politburo was around, and they found him. They say he had actually, and I, even with Stalin, I feel bad revealing this, but it's Stalin for crying out loud uh, <laughs> that they found him, and he had wet himself. Ah. And uh, he was gone. Well, that's they unfortunate. You don't like to picture Stalin going out with wet pants. <laughs> I mean, really? I, I what mean, happened? All right. He, I mean, he talk about control of image. You know, he had he had webbed toes. Is that true? That's true. You know, someday you and I, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever said. You and I are gonna have a whole discussion about Stalin someday. Oh, I would love it. He fascinates me. He really does. It's true. And he had a shriveled arm as well. I didn't know that either. Yes. You 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 blowing my mind, Lisa Desjardins. All right. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Be safe. As always, uh, we will talk to you sometime early next week. Great. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't know Stalin had a bum arm. My whole world's being taken apart at the seams. All right. Well, we just sit and stare at the phone and wait for Steve to call. Uh, it's your fault you went over time. That's not my fault. It's Lisa's fault. She kept throwing out factoids about Stalin. When do we start saying factoid instead of fact? Normally, it's the other way around. Like the words that are shortened over time. Los Angeles becomes L.A. Frequently asked question becomes fact. Factoid, though, became, or fact became factoid. That didn't make any sense at all. I never say factoid. No, but that's maybe that's a generational thing. I think it's kind of an 80s term. Here's a little factoid. And then factoid sort of in the era of Douglas Copeland became fun fact. So how'd your shrink appointment go? Well, do I want to start it now, knowing that it'll trigger Steve Kasten on the call? Yeah, might as well. Well, okay. So I was going to, I can't believe I didn't tease this early on. This really is a great, here's how if I had the show to do over again, A, Richie would stay way down there, and B, so I have this, this is the assessment that the shrink did on me today. No way. See, see how I should have teased that at the beginning? You should have teased it's that. It's 11.01. I've got the assessment my shrink did. Um, it's not really, that's, it's, 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 that's an unfair statement. It's not really the complete assessment. Because I, here's the, so here's the thing. So I have. It's been, we've documented before that between my wife and I, we have four different shrinks because, you know, we're nutty and white. Uh, and so, um, and so like, like, all, like all neurotic white people, just let me get as many therapists as I possibly can. It's like a, I'm really one step away from just having a separate shrink for the left half of my body and, and the right half. Um, but so I went in today, and this is actually the first of two that I have today. So I have the, um, I had a shrink appointment this morning. For which I had to get up at 7 a.m., which I know doesn't sound terrible, but at 7 a.m. to drive to Clackamas and to sit there in the hospital and whatever. And then I have another one today in the afternoon. And so this morning was like the, the medicative shrink where they, like, assess you for drugs or whatever. And um, and here's the thing. Because of our, uh, you know, insurance system in which in which we live, which is, I mean, every time they, they talk about social socialized medicine, is going to be slow and inefficient. So it took me six weeks to get this appointment. In other words, I made the appointment in... Whatever, I think the end of April, and mm-hmm. I just this morning went to the appointment. So I sit there, the shrink does the whole assessment, interviews me, asks me my, you know, have I ever been prescribed anything, and as well, I'm on this trazodone, and you know, whatever, and blah 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 blah. And then so we do the whole assessment. She's like, okay, well, I think I know what I need, we need to know. So um, here's the next step. The next step is you'll meet with a psychiatrist, and then he'll see if he uh, wants to actually prescribe. And that's going to be another five weeks. Really? 
Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus, three months. That is 11 weeks total of waiting uh, before. And that and, and that's assuming then after another five weeks, the shrink actually says, OK, you're crazy. Have some Prozac and writes it down and gives me the, the prescription. And then I got to go do it. So now I have to wait another five weeks for the next step in the process. And then this afternoon, I have to go to just the regular head shrinky guy. He kind of looks, this sounds like such a cliche, he looks like Sigmund Freud, though. I mean, he looks like, or like an emaciated Burl Ives. Like if you took Burl Ives and locked him in a cage and didn't feed him for about four months, that's what the shrink looks like. I kind of like him, though. Or like a, maybe a really closely shaven Colonel Sanders. Uh, so that's the guy this afternoon. So I have this, because their initial read on me is that I suffer from, wait for it, irregularity. And irritable bowel syndrome, Tim, and the heartbreak of psoriasis. Um, who wants to guess what I suffer from? Oh, uh, there they could be many things. <laughs> I'd, yeah. say you're, I'd say you're manic depressive. Well, maybe. Bipolar? Tolerable. Uh, well, the initial read was um, uh, either ADHD or ADD uh, with a sort of side course of, yes, manic depressive syndrome or bipolar or whatever that is they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have the actual, I only have like the one sheet in front of me. So, so are you going to like, after they start to like poke in your head, are you going to like mentally unravel on the air and we're going to have to talk about your shrink every day? Because Lord knows that's not already happening. Lord knows it's not happening now. And end up with some Ted Kennedy-like <laughs> operation. Can we are joking with <laughs> having a tumor the size of a softball in my head. I mean, I'm talking about my shrink today and they haven't prescribed me anything yet. Uh, so... So I have to go through some part of it. I'll just do this, and then and then we'll be done with it. Um, and there's Steve Kastenbaum. It must be serious if it's outlined in red. No, it's, it's, a, it's a double-sided form. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Well, now we don't have time because there's Steve. Mm. Look how I conjured Steve just by opening my Literally, the next words out of my mouth were going to be, question number one. Now you have to wait. <laughs> okay, but Sarah, can I ask you, can I ask a favor? Yeah. It is it, your job. Make sure that I get to this today. Okay. Because you know what? With my ADD, Sarah, I may forget. Gonna, when you do your like your thing, that I'm going to tear it. You're going to rip it in half. Like, All right. Well, just don't rip it. Oh, I'm sure they've got another got another one on file. I'm sure they've got quite a large file on their friend, Mr. Emerson. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how you guys doing? Sorry, I'm late. That's okay. How's life, my friend? How are things? It's really good because I just came from Belmont Raceway, or Belmont Racetrack, or Belmont Park, as they like to call it, so I'm very excited. Is it's that where we're win. one day away from Big Brown's try to Triple Crown win? Yes, we are. And I don't know boy, what that you means. You write so many good scripts to this, to this story, can't you? <laughs> sure. Let's pretend for the moment that I can. Here's, here's a little thing. Let me just ask you this. When they say Triple Crown, what does that mean? Is that like one place where you win three events, or is that three different events? Three different events. It's the Kentucky Derby the Preakness in Baltimore, and then the Belmont Stakes here in New York. So all those races, they're big purse races, meaning there's a really huge prize uh, for the winner. Uh, they are all within seven weeks, and it's very grueling for uh, the horse and the trainer and the jockey for them to do it. That's why it's uh, such a big deal, because normally horses have, you know, a good five or six weeks in between races. Here you've got like two or three. All right. I just did. Horse racing is one of those things that's. You know what horse racing is like to me? Horse racing is like backgammon. One of those mm. things that I feel like I ought to really appreciate because it seems cultured and sophisticated. Just could never quite get the hang of it. Couldn't couldn't I quite click with came, it. I think if you came to the track to me, you'd really you'd really like it. You just need to get out to the track. You think it's a thing that you must? It's to, as as everybody says about every band, you got to see it live. Is that a thing where like you can't appreciate maybe on TV? 
Yeah, it, it stinks if you go to like an off-track be- uh, an off-track betting site, which is what they call them here, OTBs. Yeah, we if have. You a... go to, if, if, yeah, if you go to one of them here, it's just not the same. Because then you're with a bunch of you know old retired guys blowing their pensions away. That's... You, got, you got to go to the track. There is one of those actually in downtown Portland, and uh, not too far from here. And you watch, and I it sort of makes me wish though that I did appreciate horse racing because then you could be one of those guys that looks like Jack Klugman, uh, where you're just sort of chewing on the stub of a cigar with like a snap brim hat and kind of talking about I lost all my money on the ponies you know yeah well i yeah I, I made some bets yesterday i was out there yesterday too for uh for some previews and you know it's like you can't go out there and not place a couple of bets so last year i did really well when i went to the pre uh, when i went to the uh, belmont stakes and so i said all right let me start now see how my luck is going to be this year and i lost on the first drive like I, I did a bunch of combinations of what they call a trifectas and, and exactas, and and I, I didn't hit on any of them i was like okay it's not going to be a good year this year <laughs> i'm done <laughs> Hey, so tell me about this nutcase guy that climbed the New York Times building. Is this guy insane or what? Did you see the video of this? I, I did. Uh, this is the same guy, the French guy, that's done it a whole bunch of times, right? Yeah, right. He's done it on all these different buildings. Well, the New York Times building, the new building, just opened this year, uh, has these sort of uh, ceramic, cylindrical uh, additions to the exterior of the building. And they're placed in a way that they literally sort of create, a, well, from a distance, they almost look like a, a, a blind, like a window shade, you know. That, uh, but, uh, you know, close up, you realize that they're spaced close enough together that they could be used as like a ladder. So this guy uh, brought his uh, a banner, um, uh, you know, with his global warming message and hung it from the side of the building after climbing up the 52-story tower. Can you imagine climbing up the exterior of a building in midtown New, uh, Manhattan in New York in the middle of the day without any safety lines or anything? Here's a dumb question. He, How does oh, he... and, and here's the thing. He has vertigo. <laughs> of course. How does he, but I mean, is it like suction cups? How does he do it? Oh, no. He just climbs it like it was a ladder. That was it. No, 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 he just grabbed onto each one and just kept climbing up. He had a little pouch with uh, with talc powder, so uh, his hands wouldn't sweat and he wouldn't slip, and he kept, you know, uh, reapplying that to his hands. But the best part is, after this guy went and did it and got arrested, six hours later, some some Brooklynite who, uh, let's say, is not in total control of his faculties, uh, <laughs> went and went into the building and did a copycat thing and just climbed up the building. So how long, like, what what do they, like, how much time do you get? Do you get thrown in jail or do they just fine you? What, what do they do to you if you're climbing the New York Times building? He's charged with reckless endangerment and trespassing. Uh, that's what he's got right now. The other guy, the Brooklyn Eye guy, he's in Bellevue getting a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the French guy, though, well, he's French. What can you do? Like, the French guy is just assumed to be a perfectly normal outgrowth of maybe his excess energy. Yeah. Well, the, the New York Post, the, you got to love the way they report things like this. As he unfurled his uh, banner talking about the, you know, global warming, cars were spewing gas fumes 10 blocks <laughs> down the, uh, 8th Avenue as they were stuck in the traffic because the avenue was closed. <laughs> uh, it is a strange world full of nutty people, my friend. But without them, yeah. you and I would be standing on the corner selling pencils out of a tin cup. This is true. All right. Uh, big plans for the Cast and Bob weekend. Well, I'm going to do the uh, the Belmont Stakes tomorrow. It's supposed to be a fantastic day. They, they think they'll have over 120,000 people at the track tomorrow. It's, I feel like so it's a thing I'll, that I'll I should tomorrow. I should go do it at some point, just because it's like it, it seems to be such a big part of a certain kind of American culture that's like going to the horse races. I feel like I got to see it in person at least once. What are the big races on the West Coast? Because there's a whole you know East Coast West Coast you know rivalry in a racing uh, scene. Sarah. 
Oh, you know what I don't know. No, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. I really, and I, it, here, we used to have a general manager here. There was a guy named Stan who was uh, our general manager for some time, or the, one of the general managers in CBS Portland, and he was a, he was a huge race fan. And I know when everything, all that stuff went down with Barbaro, he was he really just brought down by the whole thing. And he was, but he was a big guy into horse, horse racing. And I just, I, I always kind of felt, it, maybe it's, I don't know, and it kind of feels like a class thing too. I do sometimes feel as though, were I born into a different kind of family or into maybe a different part of the country, I might have more of an appreciation for it. I, I always, I think I would have to be honest and say that horse racing to me has always felt like a thing that's for better people and different types. Well, that's the that's great thing about horse racing, because it's not. It's, it's the one place where, you know, some poor schlub, as we like to say, yeah. can stand side-by-side side with some multi-billionaire at a betting window and be cheering side-by-side, side and then for a moment in time, they're equal. Well, I'm going to do it someday just so I can use the word quinella. That's it. Yeah, well, I think there's like Pim, Plim, Pimlico, Pimlico, or Pimlico, or whatever it's called, Pimlico on the, on the West Coast. I sure. have no idea. I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy. All right, my friend, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon, Steve. All right, thanks a lot. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent, wonderful. All right. Jesus, it's like 12.02. It's crazy, Tim. Crazy talk, I tell you. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Have you news for us? Oh, yes. Wonderful. More than we could possibly use. They, really, we need like a nine-hour show today. I'm just looking around at all this stuff. Did you see this thing about the chairs that look like a penis? Yes. All right. From New York. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to a Cena Radio correspondent, James Roop. Top five, Scott Daly and Tim Riley in mere moments. Stay there. Let's all pray it does a rain on the Grand Floral Parade. It's due to get underway at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning through downtown. And then there's going to be a coronation at 8.30 in the morning. 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> They're going to coronate somebody, whatever that means. Wait, where? Uh, downtown. It's the Grand Floral Parade. So who, uh, do we know who it's going to be? It's going to be, they're going to uh, coronate some queens. Apparently they pick them from every school. I don't think that's the neighborhood for that, Tim. Well, maybe not so, but uh, yeah, they they pick these uh, deserving young ladies from every high school, apparently. Oh, is that the deal? Is that, is, is that from where you uh, is that from where you get the rose queen? Yes. What does the rose queen have to do? Does she have to show up and cut ribbons somewhere? Probably. Right. Oh, they ride on a float. They they stick them all on the float and they they wave to people. All right. During the parade. The highlight of your young life. Cherish it while it lasts. At ten o'clock tomorrow. So who wouldn't want to be there at 9.30? That'd be me. No, no, 8.30 to see a coronation. Much more so me. But, you know, somebody sent me something that actually begins around that same time. And had it not been for the fact that it's for two to eight-year-olds, and at 9 o'clock in the morning in Sandy, I would go. It's the world premiere of The Tales of Abigail. So I think, so I got out of that, and I opened it, and I saw that it was for children, and I threw it in the trash without reading further. But I think you and Sarah both read yours. You know... These are cute little dogs. So this is a press kit for a movie aimed at four-year-olds? Is that the deal? Uh, two to eight-year-olds. And they're doing such a good job at marketing this, because I got this, and then did you get an email too, Tim? I did, and it was very <laughs> vague. So this is going on tomorrow at the Sandy Cinema. It's the world premiere. It's a children's movie. It's about a, a precious little dog. Did Digfried work on this, too? He probably did. <laughs> oh, my God, Tim, did you see this 9 a.m. red carpet arrival? No, 9 a.m., for the red carpet arrival in Sandy. Does it say... Now, Hollywood did, comes to Sandy. Did you did you say that it, that it gave... Um, the, the, the target demo for this film is what? Two to eight-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be in a theater full of five-year-olds at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning? But, you know, I'm curious. This was filmed entirely in Boring, 
uh, by this woman, and I would like to see it, to see how she got all these animals to behave. Film it entirely it has, and boring. She has one, two, three, four, five dogs. One is a pink poodle. Another is a pirate dog. With the a pirate dog outside. is the cutest thing Isn't ever. Great? The name of this movie, by the way, is Abigail. Uh, is there a website so people can learn more about it? Perhaps those who wish to take their children to see this fine film tomorrow? I think it was Abigail something. This is the Hollywood Theater? No, 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 no. This is the Sandy Theater. The Sandy. I didn't even know where the Sandy Theater is. It's in the town of Sandy. Oh, not, okay, not on Sandy Boulevard. No, no, no. Oh, see, I the thought it was... The town of Sandy. Oh, okay. All right, I, that's less impressive. I thought it was going to be... Oh, here we, here we go. go. Oh, we love Abby.com. Is we that Abby, Abby with a Y? Yeah, Abby All right. with a Y. Yeah, please be looking at the pirate dog. It's the and it has the early reviews. Uh, Kyle from the second grade said, the movie is exciting. It is great. Jesus says, this movie is cool. <laughs> and this Jesus is in the second grade. All right. Uh, Derek in the first grade says, I want Abigail to go on an adventure and meet me and her friends. Why did they assume that we would be the right station to... Well, here we are talking about it. Never mind. <laughs> really? Is that true? That everybody... The Marconi show got... <laughs> it was a building-wide announcement. Uh, so, you know, if it wasn't for kids, I'd go because it, it looks like a cute little movie. Well, maybe you can get it on DVD with special features attached to it. It's yeah. a new world premiere, so that's some more insight. Does anyone want to hear the trailer? Yes. For the, the adventures of Abigail? I yeah. do. All right. <laughs> Oh, what's not the love? Abigail, one ordinary dog, is about to have one not-so-ordinary day. This little Jack Russell Terrier has dreams of exploring the world out there. With her new friends, she will embark on an adventure of a lifetime. Abigail must find a magical key that will unlock her dreams. She and her friends go swimming, rafting, fishing, and horseback riding. What will they There's find a dog on a as horse. they explore a pirate's cove and dig for buried treasure? This story will delight both children and animal lovers alike. Everybody's falling in love with the tales of Abigail. Join in the celebration of her not-so-ordinary adventure oh, and see where this ordinary little dog <laughs> is off to next. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to wait for the director's cut where Abigail gets a good worming. All right. So uh, that's uh, tomorrow at the Sandy Theater in a room full of children. Have fun. 9 a.m. with a red carpet. <laughs> How can you resist? I mean, if it was here's well, the thing. Someone's a pink poodle. They got, they, there's a pirate is there a dog cast a photo? They sent you a photo of the cast? Yeah, there uh, it is. How do you get that dog to wear a patch? I don't know. You're going to have to go see the movie and find out. I mean, we tried to get Max to wear a pirate costume for Halloween because we're retards, and he didn't. He wouldn't have any part of that. He's, he's not a Hollywood type. No, I tried He's to put not. doggles on Muppet before. And it doggles? <laughs> I don't even know what those are. Well, they're goggles for dogs, I yeah. guess. Doggles? Doggles, yeah. For what purpose? Like when his head... Was he going to be riding in a motorcycle <laughs> sidecar? No, when I've had him in my car and like he sticks his head out the window so things don't fly in his eyes. Because <laughs> he has like big, you know, giant marble eyes. You know, uh, we know somebody who markets uh, a product to, to pet owners. Uh, a friend of ours who's uh, apparently uh, made that uh, turned into a pretty successful uh, entrepreneur of pet uh, pet things, pet toys, mm -hmm. right? Right. And I mean, that really is the key: is just finding something stupid to sell to pet owners. Because then there's somebody like me or Sarah or probably Tim who will show up and buy. I have, as I think I've said, I have three different Halloween costumes for my dog. He wears none of them. He won't leave any of them on. We put him here. Try a witch hat. No. Try a pirate hat. No. Try a prisoner hat. No. Try some devil horns. No. And every time you put him, he's in the last 10 seconds, and then he's on the floor rubbing the thing off of his head. And yet every year we buy him a new costume thinking this will be the bot. Jesus, could I be more lame? My dog has a life preserver. Okay, we have to stop yeah. this now. We have to put a pin in this right now. This pet talk is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Find out today what Leif's can do for you. So more pet talk. All right.
Uh, more than 100 people have contacted the Oregon Zoo showing interest in adopting those peacocks. The ones that scratched the little boy? Probably because he deserved it. Uh, they've announced plans to capture and relocate the animals due to conflicts with uh, zoo visitor one person. One person caused all this trouble. The peacocks have been wandering the zoo for years, and now they can't. And so far, the zoo has managed to capture three male and two female peacocks. So once again, animals are having to pay the price for the intrusion of one pesky human. Mm-hmm. One person. All right. And, of course, then there are the story of cats. You know, cat owners will tell you they're lovely animals and, and they're <laughs> loving creatures. <laughs> now, if you want to follow along with this little story that I'm about to tell you, go to RadleyLive.com and, and you can see this video in action. I have seen this video, by the way, and it's wonderful. This it is, is one of the best things I've seen all week. So the story is uh, somebody was cruel to cats and, and they're giving a prison term. So the cat in question is held by the reporter. So this shows why the cat could have been treated bad. Not that we recommend treating cats badly. Mind you. You don't recommend that. I don't. Nobody does. Um, and so this... You, you need to stroke the cat and, <laughs> and hug it. <laughs> so there's a cat that... So yeah, so there's somebody who get, gets thrown in the clink for being mean to the cat. Mm-hmm. And so they do the obligatory human interest Ron Burgundy water skiing squirrel thing, mm-hmm. where they send this Veronica Corningstone looking woman to go and hold the cat, which somebody and, must have told her was a good idea. Yeah. And so she's holding the cat uh, you know, in her arms... As she's doing her stand-up, as she's doing the report. And the cat gets meaner. <laughs> well, you can tell, like, from, from go that the cat doesn't want to be held. I mean, I'm not trying to defend being mean to the cat, but I'm saying clearly the cat has some sort of problem relating right. to people. Have you ever heard the story of the cat scratching your eyes out? <laughs> I mean, nature has ways of saying, stop it now. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, people saying suddenly, the, here's a, can I just give, give the lie to something that people occasionally say? You'll hear this in news stories sometimes. Like, and without warning, the animal attacked. You know, there's always a warning. Animals don't attack you without warning. Animals indicate that they're unhappy with you. So you will hear the warning, and we'll come describe it. Go to RileyLive.com if you want to see this. Let's all go to RileyLive.com right now. Right now. Let's go together. All right, let's do it. Yeah, because this is a visual medium. All right, so So, this is... It's called Cat Attacks. Cat Attacks TV (laughs) Reporter. All right, right. and I'm ready to go here. Give me just one moment here. Yeah, just give me one second. I'm going to let it uh, buffer. And I'm ready. And uh, I will turn my sound down so we don't have conflicting audio. All right. Uh, give me right. just one moment. Mm. Looks like mm. a lot of people are watching. Yeah, this give right me now. just one. Uh... All right. I think. We're Wait. Ready. Why did that quit playing? Now the popcorn music is still playing. The timer's still going. I don't know why. But there's no. Oh, for the love of God. All right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready too. All right. Shall we all hit play together? Yes. Here we go. One, yes. two, three. Fox 8 News reporter Kathleen Cochran live in Russell Township with the tales. Hi, Bill and Stacey. Well, the couple is accused of throwing two cats like this one here out of their car and killing them. Now, as part of their sentence, this was guys having fun, but now as part of their sentence, the, not the couple is fun. going to have to come right Yeah. And then she's starting to cry. And over, this is slow motion. <laughs> Oh, that cat got her good. Wow. Can you play that one more time, just kind of from, from the beginning? That's wonderful. Excellent. Fox 8 News reporter Kathleen Cochran live in Russell Township with details. Hi, Bill and Stacey. Well, the couple is accused of throwing two cats like this one here out of their car and killing them. Now it's part of their sentence. This is guys having fun, but now it's part of their sentence. The couple is going to have to come right here. Slow motion. 
I mean, he goes right for the ears, and then the other paw goes right for the eye. Mm -hmm. That's great. And you can tell she drops the cat. Did she, did after she's talking about she's animal, animal cruelty, cruelty. Animal, she drops the cat right on the ground, and then you can tell that she's immediately she's bursting into tears. Oh, that's you know that is strangely gratifying though, if only because it's just another bubble brain reporter who's on television doing something that they that they think people want to see because they've seen every other idiot reporter do it, even though the cat clearly doesn't want to be held. That's exactly Put what I'm saying. Me down. I mean, I the cat, will scratch your eyes out. I mean, the cat is really giving every single... I mean, if the cat could talk, the cat would probably say, please, lady, you know, let me down on the floor, but the cat can't, so he's doing what animals do. He's wriggling around. He's, he's trying warning. to get free. He is growling at her. He's hissing. She keeps clenching him tighter and tighter, trying to do her retarded news bit, and then the cat just <laughs> goes right for the face. That really is great. Good for you, cat. All right, score what? I don't. You never hear us say that on the program, but good for you, our feline Fox friend. Fox News reporter Kathleen Cochran live in Russell Township with details. Hi, Bill and Stacey. Well, the couple is accused of throwing two cats like this one here out of their car and killing them. Now, as part of their sentence, this little guy's having fun, but now as part of their sentence, the couple is going to have to come right. Touche. Learn when it's not fun. That's what I'm saying. All right, you can see that video at Riley Live. Dot com. It really is. It, it is. It really is worth your time. Trust me when I tell you this. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, a candy man is accused of hitting two others with a tire iron. Bruce Deller uh, apparently approached a man and began to argue with a man over issues with a girlfriend. There aren't too many available women in candy, apparently. And, um, people do get. Well, a candy woman, you don't want one to go away. Get all her teeth. You leave her alone. He allegedly hit one man in the head and another in the shoulder. So apparently there are two men going after this candy gal. The victim was taken to Oregon City Hospital and treated and released. Uh, he's been charged with assault and taken to Clackamas County Jail. All the bad people go. You know, I heard, heard in Canby there's a, a petting zoo in some old 70s-style house, and it has an alligator behind a fence. This petting zoo has an alligator. Where? In Canby. I'm I don't sorry. know what the name of it is. I'm sorry. I was distracted by somebody just now who I was opening up an email from somebody who wants to know what the opening bid is on Richie's items. Of well, what is the opening bid? I don't know. And, and you know, and I think I may have made this point to Richie off the air, but I think it does bear noting. I think it probably is. Wouldn't you imagine if I could just dovetail into something for, and then we'll never come back to this again. Wouldn't you imagine it, it probably violates some sort of terms of service on Craigslist to be selling a used sex item? Isn't that considered a biohazard? I would think so. I mean, you can't... Especially if it's, like, involving body fluids. Like, you couldn't just be selling a used syringe. Well, from what I heard, most of the things from that store are dishwasher safe. No, I'm... Well, oh, if he I'm washed them... No, I'm <laughs> clearly from... Clearly, no, 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 in the package, but I'm saying he... I don't think he's washed them, is my point. Oh, I see. Well, I guess if you clean them, though. I mean, if you sterilize I them or whatever, know, then you could sell them. How sterile can you really get that? Well, I would imagine as sterile as you can get silverware. How sterile can you get a plate? So, Where I guess... I guess that's... Silverware, Rick Emerson? I guess... It's not of your business, Sarah Dillon. Um, I guess that's sort of a caveat emptor thing, though, right? That's like a buyer beware. Yeah. As long as it's labeled as used, I would imagine. All right, let's never talk about that again. So where is this petting zoo where I could take a child to touch an alligator? I heard it's in Camby, but I don't know exactly where. And it's in, like, an old 70s-style tract home. You don't know exactly where? Like, maybe it's an unofficial petting zoo? I, I know someone who's gone. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so, so the fence is only, like, two feet high with this alligator roaming around the yard. And inside, there's some other, like, smaller birds and mice. I guess people can pet the mice. So maybe not so much a petting zoo as just a guy who lets an alligator run around not properly tethered to anything and well, with an insufficiently high fence. Really? Yeah. Well, I imagine you would have to to cover the insurance premiums. So How does the insurance company know the alligator's there? I don't really know. 
You could open up a, a place and have an alligator and charge people to get in, I, w- I would imagine. Now, so you knew somebody went. How did they know it was there? How did they hear about Apparently, it? Apparently, they read it in a newspaper article somewhere that there's this unknown petting zoo in an old tract home in Canby. I'm totally Which has an alligator where the fence is only like a foot high. Now, but it's a petting zoo. That implies you're allowed to pet things. Yes, like mice. Can you pet <laughs> Go and stick and pet a mouse. Can you, uh, but are you allowed to pet the alligator? I'm not sure about that, but the fence is low enough. I'm sure somebody would try. If somebody knows about the Wizards Clackamas? No, uh, Canby. Canby. If somebody knows about the Canby Petting Zoo featuring an alligator, please call and tell us, because I want to go I see it. I it's not an official petting zoo, but he charges $5 to see the alligator in the backyard. So maybe this is just, so it's not so much a petting zoo as it is just some guy. <laughs> Come to some guy's house. Well, that's like the um, that house in Malala where I bought my last hedgehog, my most recent hedgehog, uh, and um, and it, it, it and I, I guess she was licensed maybe to sell pets, but she was an exotic animal breeder. But I mean, it was like not just a crazy cat lady; it was like a crazy everything lady. And I mean, you walked into there, and it was like walking into a well of souls. I mean, you would just open the front door. And, I mean, it was like the sounds of 10,000 small creatures all screaming at once. I mean, it was just like some weird furry hell dimension. And um, and she had, like, big frizzy hair and, like, was wearing bunny slippers and, like, a big spotty sort of clingy robe and was chain-smoking a lot and saying things like, While you're here, you want a Gila monster? I got a Gila monster! You know, I I felt so bad. I sort of wanted to buy all the hedgehogs just to take them away from that place. (laughs) So I wonder if that's what this guy kind of has doing. Yeah, I like to know where it is. All right, if somebody knows about the... uh, The Canby Alligator Petting Zoo thing. Yeah. Uh, please uh, let us know about that. because I know it has alligators and mice. Excellent. For sure. All right. Here's Tim Riley. A uh, substitute teacher who called two students terrorists has been removed from the pool of eligible teachers for the entire Canva School District. So uh, he can go elsewhere. No- Norman Kraus, who was working with the Canva School District since 1999, was conducting a role-playing exercise in the class when he approached two students of Indian descent and allegedly called them terrorists. The principal was informed of the slur and investigated the incident. Today, the Canvas School District issued an apology, saying Kraus uh, will not be issued, uh, will not be used as a teacher, as well as an apology that says, quote, We cannot and will not tolerate comments and actions that make students feel targeted, stereotyped, or ostracized, said the superintendent, Mike Netherland. Uh, we know that the staff members, students, and families of Canvas are committed to creating a learning community for all students to feel safe blah, and, blah, blah. and engaged. Yeah, all right. Uh, then we have another story of a teacher. This comes to us uh, from elsewhere. The father of a Clayton County biology teacher charged with threatening a student apologized to the community for his son's actions, saying the teacher was stressed out and between a rock and a hard place. Travis Curry Hextall was arrested for disorderly conduct and terrorist threat charges for telling an unruly student that he would rip your eyeballs out. <laughs> That's an oddly specific threat. Mm-hmm. He apologized. He's remorseful. He loves those kids. <laughs> he took them goodies all during the year. He'd love to go back to teaching when this is all over. There's no question. This is no ripping your eyeballs out. <laughs> How would you go right from, hey, can you keep it down a little bit, to ripping out your eyeballs? Uh, let's it's a bit of a here. jump. Apparently, a hex doll confronted the male student after the boy uh, threatened and cursed the teacher and disrupted the class. During the alleged incident, which police said was uh, videotaped by other students with cell phones. Excellent. Uh, students and Hexel suddenly started acting crazy uh, and telling the class to shut the F up. He allegedly uh, directed his anger toward the male student, telling him he would rip your eyeballs out. Jesus. And urinated on him (laughs) and said he would kill his family. Hexel then spat on the floor and began to apologize. Sorry. Sorry about that. 
Sorry to rip your eyeballs out and urinate on you. Sorry about peeing on the ground and threatening to kill your family. Can we just let bygones be bygones? I need some Mylanta. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> on behalf of the teacher, this was a problem, student. Well, okay. But, but these kids now have cell phones <laughs> and videotape equipment, so it's hard for them to get away with these things. You used to be able to whiz all over a classroom. Not Those days, are. sadly, are in the past. So don't you just, as a teacher, wouldn't you just assume that kids are, I mean, we have these stories like every six months where some teacher does something crazy, mm-hmm. and then you know, but the kids are filming it. I mean, I would just sort of assume at this point, if you're a teacher, that a kid is filming every single thing that goes on in the classroom. There was that great story about a year and a half ago where some kid who wouldn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, which is fine, stand, don't stand, whatever. So the kid wouldn't stand, and the teacher's, you know, the teacher's like some buzz-cut woodshop guy. You know, one of those, quit screwing around, stand up for the pledge. And the, the kid was like, I, I don't stand for the pledge. He was like a Jehovah's Witness or something. He's like, I'm not going to stand. And the teacher said, stand up for the pledge. And the kid's like, no, I'm going to stay here. And so the teacher goes over and yanks the kid out of the chair and, like, kicks the chair down the, down, across the, the classroom. And I think, I think cuffed the kid a couple times. And then to no one's surprise, four minutes later, there was video of it on the Internet. That's just sort of the way it goes. God, I can't even imagine... I mean, it's hard to talk about this stuff without Troy during a whole flood of this one time when I was in school calls. But, I mean, we had teachers who just who did, all, did all kinds of things you could never do now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to school that long ago. I was in the 90s. Yeah, I guess, the, I guess the you know, late 80s, early 90s. So it's not like it was in the 40s or something. And then the teachers who were just all kinds of slapping kids on the back of the head. And I had a teacher. I mean, the, the, um, the one moment that always jumps out at me, there's two of them, actually. One is a male teacher and one is a female. I had a, a, a male teacher yanked me up out of my chair by my lapels. And he didn't, to his credit, he didn't beat the hell out of me, but he did actually threaten to in exactly those words. He goes, I had to beat the hell out of you. And then he, like, tosses me back into the chair, and he didn't. And then we had a female teacher when I took um, home ec, um, which they didn't call home ec. They called it something else. They called it consumer education, but it was really home ec. And I think they had to find some different name because the guys were embarrassed to take it, but it was one of the only ways you could get, like, a, I think it was, like, a social studies credit or something. Anyway, but I remember being in, in, in consumer ed class, and there was this teacher who would come by sort of a matronly-looking woman, and she would come by while you were taking tests. Like, so you'd be taking, like, a 15-minute test, and it was only for the male students. <laughs> she would sort of, It's another one of those things that didn't seem weird then, but seems weird now. And maybe it wasn't really weird, but maybe just the society we live in now, it seems strange. But she would just come around while you were taking the test, and she would, like, give you a neck massage. It seemed weird, sort of, you know, when I thought no, of it I just do, now. I just being, like, a little touchy. I mean, Sometimes. I don't think she was but ever, like, sexual about it. But not because, like, wasn't she at, like, a table and, you know, okay, just roll, but then press the button when you're ready. It wasn't that. It was like you'd just be sitting at the table doing your thing, and she would come by and she would put her hands on either side of your neck and, like, massage your shoulders and then, like, move on to the... But I do think it was only the male students she did that with. So, hmm. anyway, she's was really unattractive. She looked like a baked apple. I mean, so... All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, wait, hold on. I think somebody knows about the petting zoo. Oh, good. Hi, do you know about the Canby Petting Zoo? Yes, I do. What's the deal? Uh, it's actually a guy who has a, it's a, it's a, like Reptile World or something like that. He has his own website. If you Google it, you'll find it. Now, this isn't, this isn't the House of Reptiles guy that we used to have on. No, that was a store. This is a guy's house? No, 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 no. It's in his house. See, I told you. <laughs> he has reptiles in his house. <laughs> He's got like a 15-foot albina python or something like that, and. He takes all of his little creatures around to the library, and they and you know classes come, and you know all this kind of stuff. Yeah, the, like, reptile. To the best of your knowledge, does he have an alligator? Yes, he does. He's got like three. See, I thought that was illegal. Maybe you have to have no. a license. 
No, it's it, it's in his backyard. Is this Hart's he's, reptile he's ranch? Regular, he's got a regular fence around his backyard, and then there's a little oh, fence around the alligators. Sir, is this Hart's reptile ranch? I think so, yeah. Now, let me look here. Does it, does, does it specify exactly what type of reptiles Hart has, Tim? I'm looking here. Okay, they're okay. Have you gone to the ranch, sir? Yeah, I used to live in Camby. All right. Uh, and so does so it, there is an alligator running around there. Is that correct? Yeah. So, but so there's a, so, but I mean, is, like, are you allowed to touch the alligator? It is a petting zoo. Um, he's got smaller ones that he'll hang on to that you can pet. But I'm not sure about the big ones. Wow, I almost want to go do that. I mean, how many times in your life you get to pet an alligator? Okay, yeah. that's actually something I might do. I might actually go look into that. All right, yeah. thank you, my friend. Hey, and, and one more thing. Yes, sir. You were talking about school things. I had I had nuns with erasers. Yeah, well, we had the, we had the nuns who would throw like from across the room. It's like yeah. from thirty feet away, they could brain you right in the side of the head. It was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I mean, their back was turned to you, and you would whisper something to somebody. Next thing you know, you're on the floor with the <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the eraser just comes across the like the room in some weird bionic slow motion. Yeah, it was. It's almost. I mean, it's kind of impressive. They, and it's like nuns. Some, their nuns are like moms. It's like they they hear and see all, even when they're not looking or listening. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm wondering why aren't they on a softball team? I don't know. That's that's a good question. Thank you. Hey, I, why aren't they on the Why aren't they in the dart league? Uh, I are on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Uh, uh, did the last caller get the thing about the uh, the reptile world out there? Well, he, this is world. he's claiming it's Hart's reptile world. Yes, the name is correct. It is Hart's Reptile World. It's on Maxburg Road between yep. Malala and Canby. Can have you been there, sir? Uh, negative. No, I, I don't like snakes. Okay, well, fair enough. Then I guess a reptile world, I guess a world of reptiles is not the place for you. No, but it is kind of a neat thing because these guys will take, if you have uh, purchased a snake or a large lizard or an alligator or God knows what kind of pet and you've decided you don't like it, instead of flushing it down a toilet or whatever, these guys will take it and give it a home so it can live out its happy life eating the occasional rat and so forth. So it is like, so it is like a, you know, it's, it's a regular, it's a licensed business. So it's not like, because so, I was sort of picturing, this is clearly not what it is, but when Tim, when Tim was describing it, I was picturing like a guy in a trailer, you know, like, like Zeke the yokel, uh, you know, with just like, hey, who wants to come see a, a thing with big teeth? And it just sort well, of... It, it's kind of like that, but he's got like... <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. How, how high is the fence next to the alligator? That was my question. High, high enough to keep the little ones out. Okay. All right. All right. There you the go. Guys are little ones. Thank you. All right. There you go. So it's like a you must be at least this high to be eaten by the alligator kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Are there photos of his animal? No, I, he doesn't really have a website. Uh, I've read things about it on here. All right. Well, it would be unfair for me to go when my wife is out of town, but uh, but uh, when Laura and I get back to Portland, it says uh, things we're totally to going to go. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, com I'll completely go see that, but they it seems like an I alpaca ranch, too. I don't know what an alpaca is. Isn't that like a llama? I don't know the answer I to that. I think so. Then what's an emu? I think they're all kind of like llamas. Yeah. An emu is a llama? Or yeah, like a llama? No, an emu. I, that's a smaller little thing, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, is an emu like a camel? I'm not sure. We'll hmm. have to find that out. It's right. a bird. What? It's a bird. An emu is a bird. It's not an animal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's an emu. <laughs> It's an ostrich, sort of, but an emu. Never mind. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. Jesus. Hello, yeah, you hi. got it. Um, you got that right. Uh, emus are like ostriches, and alpacas are like llamas. Um, a friend of my parents have uh, alpacas. All right. Excellent. Anyways, and, um, but I had an idea for that uh, Richie contest you were devising. 
It'd be something like the. Uh, what was the Richie contest? What? Oh, you know the stories. You know. Oh like, God, yeah, we were going to do a a Richie Bristol true or false, where like yeah. we gave you three horrifying stories and one of them was true. Right. How about you have um, uh, a bunch of them and you have like new, old, or false? That's a, so. What would so what would the dividing line be between new and old? Oh, I don't know. Um, like this like, month. Like within the past year would be new. Yeah, when he go. was ten years old, it would be old, and and not at all would be false. And then they'd have to uh, they'd have to identify what was what. Exactly. I like your style, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there Bye. you go. There's that guy. Um, all right. So in any event, oh Jesus, we got to take a break. Mm -hmm. All right, take a uh, we'll take a break here. Back after this, more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. We'll do the top five. Glorious Bastard of the Week and all that. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. I need to build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your pants. Let me go to uh, the horny slut.com rape food like bosoms. Your bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my buttocks. You must take my seat. I'm sweating for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. Thanks so much. Oh, Bye. thank you. Hello. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, still to come. And we'll give the results of my... I guess it's called the... This is the Copeland Symptom Checklist for Adult Attention Deficit Disorders from the Southeastern Psychological Institute. So I guess maybe this is like the definitive... I don't know, like maybe this is the gold standard for figuring out craziness. I don't know, we'll get to that later on. Um... Let's see. Uh, Scott Daly will join us later on. We'll do the top five as well. Glorious Bastard of the Week, James Roop. This is Tim Riley. Authorities in Lakeland, Florida, have released a composite sketch of an armless deceased man found floating in a canal near an alligator. The man's body was found by two fishermen in the canal off Saddle Creek Road in Lakeland, Florida. The deputies have not recovered the man's arms, and they're missing from his body where he was found. So uh, they can't use fingerprints. So that is a bad thing. But they did issue a, a composite of a, a smiling, armless man. <laughs> I think the smile might be sort of um, wishful thinking. <laughs> well, I've still got my health. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so maybe somebody uh, knows a smiling, armless man. <laughs> if you know a smiling, armless man. Oh, by the way, so here's this. I, I haven't. I, I wasn't able to post this picture online, but did you see this thing about the guy who exposed himself at the Lake, the Lake Stevens espresso stand? Oh, I saw him. It's like he's like a cartoon version of Adam Sandler's red hooded sweatshirt guy. Yeah, uh, they're looking for this man who exposed himself at a drive-up espresso stand at Lake Stevens more than a month ago. It took him a month to draw this picture. <laughs> well, and that's what they got after after a month. That's what they got is that photo right there. He uh, drove up and touched himself in front of the barista. Hey, look at my hair. Uh, the espresso stand is not one of those controversial stands where the barista wear, uh, wears bikinis or otherwise scantily clad. These are fully dressed women. Maybe should have driven over one of them. He's a white man in his 20s or 30s, 5'9", a skinny build of pale complexion. He has dark brown hair and dark eyes. He's wearing a uh, dark sweatshirt and driving a mid-sized Chevy pickup truck <laughs> with Washington plates. Well, all right. So, at least he has his arms. 
Well, here's something uh, new and different from HBO. David Schwimmer, remember that fellow? He's from uh, that show Friends. Well, he, I barely knew her. He always wanted to direct, and now he is. He is directing the Los Angeles studio segments of Little Britain, USA. This is HBO's six-episode transplant of this BBC comedy sketch series entitled Little Britain. Uh, the series is based on the exploit of UK comedians Matt Lucas and David Williams. But the setting has changed to reflect contemporary America in the mix of segments shot on location and in the studio. So why is it still called Little Britain? It's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Either call it Little Britain or call it USA. Little Britain, USA is just dumb. Yeah. It doesn't even make any sense. No. All right. Well, whatever. So uh, apparently it'll be on HBO. Yeah, no one will watch it. Wait, so David Schwimmer's what? David Schwimmer is directing that? He is the director. All right. Well, you know, he actually did direct it. He They made a fine made-for-HBO movie. Unpleasant title, good film. It's a movie called Breast Men, mm-hmm. um, and it's a you know one of those sort of docudrama, you know, one of those things HBO does really well where they take a real story and they do it in sort of a whimsical, they tell the, they tell a true story in sort of a whimsically fictitious setting, and it's the story of the development of the first breast implant in 1956. Uh, and it actually, it's pretty. It's a pretty great movie, really, uh, because it's sort of a lighthearted look at the history of cosmetic surgery. But I think David Schwimmer is the guy who directed that, so. Wait, who was who was the one that was Joey? Who played Joey? Is that Matt LeBlanc? Matt yeah. LeBlanc. Whatever happened to that guy? Because that show lasted what, like three episodes, something like that? I think yeah. gone. Yeah. So, all right. Well, they were going to bring it back. They said they were just resting it. Is that true? It's on sabbatical. Uh-huh. Joey is on hiatus. All right. And uh, well, oh, his uh, his first movie after Friends Ed is on this weekend on HBO, the Monkey Movie. He plays a baseball I thought Ed player. was the Matthew McConaughey movie. Oh, that's Ed TV. Yeah, that's All right. Ed TV. All right, well, you know, it's I'm different from this Ed. not going to watch either of them. Uh, New York's top court has upheld the removal of a Niagara Falls court judge who jailed 46 people after no one would admit to owning the cell phone that rang in court. The Commission on Judicial Conduct concluded in November the decision by Judge Rostrato. Uh, apparently, he snapped during a mock session. They voted <laughs> 9 to 1 for his removal. Arastrano was hearing domestic violence cases when the phone rang. He released everyone later that day. He said he was wrong, and under personal stress at the time, he said his record was otherwise flawless and has had no uh, major incidents. The New York State Court of Appeals unanimously upheld his removal. It calls punishing innocent people inexcusable after sending 46 people to jail. Uh, hello, hi, you're on, <clears throat> pardon me, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, it's Dave. What's up? Um, if you don't want to go out to Cambian, who the hell would? Um, there's a guy that actually has this traveling uh, reptile show that goes to kids' parties. <laughs> a traveling <laughs> That just seems like the beginning of every great news story right here. Because all oh, yeah. I'm picturing is some low-rent Jim Carrey guy saying, all right, and then going and pulling a tablecloth off of a cage, out of which runs shrieking reptiles into a horde of frightened, soft, fleshy children. You are so freaking close, <laughs> you have no idea. Okay. The what guy is has, it? He has alligators in the whole thing. <laughs> I don't understand. Why would you bring alligators to a children's birthday? It's almost like you're asking to be on the news. You are. It's 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 so horrible. I was just fascinated by it. Yeah. Okay. And this is like four-year-old kids. Oh, fantastic. See now, now I know what to do the next time I have a birthday. I'm gonna have him come to the studio then. Yeah, I think it's like Steve the Reptile Wrangler or something. But if you Google, it's it is local. He is here. I've seen him twice now. It is just a. It is it is literally. A Florida show just uh, right up your alley. We ought to have, okay, do I speak for everybody when I say we ought to have him bring some alligators to the studio? Yes. Sarah? No. Uh, Tim and I voted yes. All, All right. right, well, then <laughs> Chris is working today. I'm not going to be part of your Darwin watch. <laughs> Thank you, sir. 
You bet, bud. All right. Um, the Reptile Wrangler. Oh, let's see. There are several of these. Jamie says, uh, about the Rick Emerson Center, I cannot believe you don't remember when you said, oh, I want to put my baby in you. It was a time in your life when your sole goal was to have a baby named after yourself. <laughs> a lady called. For some reason, you said the above mentioned, which was hilarious. It was a sad time in your life, Rick Emerson. Why? But if I'm trying to get a baby named after myself, why would I have said, I want to put my baby in you? That, the two things don't even really seem to connect. It seems like one does not logically lead to the other. Although, given my apparently obvious ADHD, perhaps I don't need a reason to say all kinds of weird things. Rutabaga! Here's Tim Riley. So it says here, Ken Pans, who bills himself as the reptile wrangler, visits schools, state parks, and birthday parties with a menagerie of snakes, turtles, frogs, lizards, iguanas, tarantulas, and alligators to educate and entertain children and their parents. <laughs> how about that? Uh-huh. Is there a, does it say how much can we, uh, is there a photo of some kind? No. That's all it says There's no here. websites for any of these things. No, there aren't. And these are things people want to know about. Wait, really. there's the reptilewrangler.com. Okay, reptile. Oh, that's a different, that's a, that's a well, store. that's in Ontario. Yeah, so there's more than one reptile wrangler. I want someone to bring an alligator by the studio. No, I mean, not today, maybe. I mean, maybe with oh, a warning. Oh, I think I found him. Give, a little bit, give, give us a heads up, I suppose. Reptile wrangler. Oh, he looks like the crocodile hunter guy. Now, wait, is this here in Portland? No, let me look here. Doesn't he, he? He really does. He looks like if you took Steve Irwin and sort of force-fed him. Right. No, but that's it, not here. That's area code 770. Where's that? Hmm. Oh, he does look like a fat Steve Irwin. Right. Well, in any event. Well, maybe Ken it's a Pan's dream that's... Reptile Wrangler. Maybe it's a dream that's not to be, Tim Riley. Well, he didn't say if this guy was local or not. All right. Well, we'll, we'll look into it. I'm sure we can find somebody to bring, uh, to bring reptiles by the studio. I hope so. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley the Ministry of Truth. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? A drunken retired man passed out between railroad tracks in Germany and kept on sleeping when a train rolled right over him. Franz Zimmerman, who's 67, fell asleep between the tracks. He didn't even wake up at the locomotive thunder to an emergency stop. He carried on sleeping until police and paramedics arrived at the scene in Germany. The train driver, Jens Peter, says he was sleeping like a baby. He didn't even notice there was a train on top of him. I have no idea why he saw the noise of the wheels kept screeching and I braked. A breath test showed Zimmerman was five times over Germany's drunk driving limit. He now faces charges of endangering public safety. Uh, ten airports will install body scanners. This is very futuristic. These are body scanning machines that show images of people underneath their clothing. They're being installed in ten of the nation's busiest airports and one of the busiest, uh, biggest public uses of security devices that reveal intimate body parts. This is like that thing they had at the Phoenix airport where it's just it's like the visible woman mm -hmm. where you walk through and it just shows your whole uh, shows you in the altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So who wants to see that after a while? Uh, they can do it here yet. No, but there's, a, there's the photo that is on Drudge about this. I mean, it is it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like you with all your clothing stripped away. They do blur your face. They, but see, but which doesn't help. But I don't think they do though, because I'm looking at that photo and it, it, you can see her facial expression. You can actually see that it's a woman. Oh hey man! Now, and you can actually see that she's looking to the left and she's smiling. So I don't really know that it. And you know the can we just say what we're all thinking? You know that job is just going to attract perverts. I mean that's it, right? I mean that's yeah. that's the thing. What is your job? My job is to sit here all day and to use an actual literal X-ray vision device on women. So plus you know that there's got to be some weird. There's got to be I would imagine a level of sensitivity you could set on that uh, because you know if somebody has different layers of clothes or if it's like a fat person versus a, a thin person. I would imagine that it's adjustable in some sense. And so it seems like the amount of X-ray vision that it has can probably be altered 
or augmented, as the case may be, and, you know, as you sort of need to. So, in any event, it's all kinds of creepy because the woman is, I mean, the, the one they got on Drudge is just of a woman standing there being extra with the thing, and you can see every fold and crevasse. That is so creepy. I'm reading this. It says you can even see the, the sweat dripping down someone's back. Yes, you can, Sarah. There's sweet, Only sweet sweat. sweat. All right. The sweat from which I make martinis. Here's Tim Riley. So it's just something else with the PSA to do. Yes, it is. Uh, so let's talk about this uh, little meeting that went on last night between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Most of the reporters were standing outside the wrong house. Uh-oh. That's because they weren't at Hillary's house. They were at Dianne Feinstein's house. Uh, the meeting many Democrats were waiting for finally took place. Uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein said she offered her home as a meeting ground for Senators Clinton and Obama last night. This was a private conversation. It was just between Senator Obama and Senator Clinton. I feel very strongly that they're entitled to be able to talk without having to make a statement or go out and greet the press, so to speak. Hey, can you play that clip one more time? There's something happening in the background there. That that... Ding dong, ding dong. Okay. What is that? Dun, dun. I don't know. It's like a maybe she's opening her car door. No, I mean I'm not. Well, I'm not I recognize it what's... from like like grandfather clocks or something. But I mean, why does every clock make that one noise? Dun 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 dun. What the hell is that? Is that like the Motorola ringtone of 1750 no, or it's something? No, it's not Big Ben. But is it? I thought Big Ben just went bong. I didn't think Big Ben played a noise. You know, like a tune. Oh, maybe he did it one time. You know, it's like there was, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You know, there was that one Motorola ringtone that everything had in the 90s. uh, And I can't, I wish that I, that, exactly, that's it. So everybody knows that ringtone, which I do believe is a proprietary ringtone of the Motorola company. But yeah, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, everybody knows that. Everybody recognizes that as a cell phone ring. That thing there. Of that da 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 da, everybody recognizes that as a as a like a a grandfather clock thing. So like, why? Where did that come from? Why is that the thing everybody uses? You want to hear it again? Not really. I'm just saying it sort of intrigues me. But even as I say, even as I as the the, the question leaves my mouth, I realize there probably is no answer that we can because that's not a thing you can Google. You can't really you can't really Google. Da, 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 da. <laughs> exactly. Da, 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 da. That, you know what they need. They need a website where if you have, like, a computer or something on your or, or microphone on your computer, you can just sing, like, a little snatch of a song, and it'll find it. You can be like, what's that song that's all da 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 and then the computer tells you what it is. Somebody get to work on that. Here's Tim Riley. Now, Senator Feinstein says she offered them privacy and tried to make them feel at home. I seated them in comfortable chairs by the fireplace. and, and With hot water. cider. And uh, I went upstairs to work and... Oh, you know she was listening. When they were over, finished, uh, he called up, and I came down and said goodnight, and uh, that was it. You know, she sat there, glass to the door, trying not to breathe, listening to every single word. You know that that's exactly the case. That's what I do. She didn't even feed them. She gave them water. So do they, um, <laughs> you'll get water and crusts of bread and like it. So was there any, like, revelation about what they said or what discussion they, they had? They came out smiling. Uh-huh. I don't know what that All right. Well, whatever. Uh, David Letterman explained why he believes it's important for Hillary to uh, wait until the weekend to quit. You're going to wait till Saturday because tomorrow is the Honduras primary. <laughs> One more shot, get in there, see what you can do. Uh, Hillary may not be ready to quit in her run for the White House. I'm beginning to wonder if maybe Hillary doesn't get it. I'm thinking, hmm, is it possible that she doesn't get it? I mean, she's now saying that she still has a shot at the Republican nomination. Ah! So uh, what about the, these uh, comments on Whitey, allegedly made by Obama's <laughs> wife, Michelle? 
<laughs> By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. The station that Whitey's prefer. <laughs> Barack Obama reminds everyone that these are rumors that he has uh, squashed previously. This is the same kind of nonsense that we started with the Madrasas, in which CNN had to fly to Jakarta to disprove it. And, you know, frankly, you know, my hope is, is that people don't play this game. Wait, so this is... Michelle never said Whitey to anyone. So this is a rumor, and it is just a rumor, because I mean, no evidence to it at all. It does appear to be scurrilous in every sense of the word. Um, it, that there is allegedly, it's sort of one of those things that people whispered about over the last couple of weeks, purportedly some videotape floating around somewhere. She said Whitey. <laughs> is that like she said yes? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> she's... <laughs> Let it be the next, the next uh, heartbreaking book about overcoming adversity. She said, "Whitey, um, some purported videotape where Michelle Obama is is saying blah blah blah, Whitey this, Whitey that, which of course isn't true. You know why? You know why it's not true? Because nobody says Whitey. No, in my life, I have never known one person to use the word Whitey Siri. You know who says Whitey? Guys like me." Sort of wacky jackass comedians uh, who themselves are white say whitey. That's Mr. Who, Beaver had a friend named Whitey. That's true. Who later died in Portland of a drug, well, apparently had drug problems all his life, and that was Whitey. Whitey had drug problems? Uh huh. Whitey died right here in Portland? Yes. And the, who was Whitey? Who was Whitey Ford? He was a baseball player, I believe. How do you know that? At the same time as Mickey Mantle. You're freaking me out, Tim Riley. Sometimes I don't even know who you are. What with your baseball knowledge? Neither do I. So nothing about me is real. So the only people who um, the only people who say whitey uh, are the are, you know are just are just uh, nitwit kooky white guys. So I've never really known anybody. I've and that and the guy, the dad in the jerk with Steve Martin, who says, "Son, before you, I have to find it. I have this clip somewhere." He goes, "Where you got in the world? A couple of things you need to know." And he does the difference between S and Shinola. Where he points at the S on the ground. He says, that's S. This is Shinola. And then he says, and don't never trust Whitey. That's it. Other than that, that's a word that doesn't really ever get used. It's used solely uh, for ironic comedic purposes at this point. So pay no more attention to this rumor. Oh, speaking of comedians, I saw that uh, Don Rickles HBO special last night. Isn't that great? It was fantastic. Dead. Dead. dead dying. Dead. dead. Yeah. Uh, done by John Landis, actually. So uh, good to see that guy coming back. What was re really amusing was a lot of the jokes he did on stage were the same ones that we saw. So I think that that was filmed during that same tour. Yeah, I think it was because it's uh, because that tour that where we saw him, I guess in 2006, I guess that was. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was sort of I don't say a comeback, but it was his first I think major tour in quite some time, and it accompanied that film. Uh, so it's called Don Rickles, Mr. Warmth. And there he was in that robe backstage. Absolutely. Yeah, I got a I got a photo of us standing next to him in that robe. You have a copy of that picture, don't you? No, I never received it. I will give you a copy of that photo. Why, thank you. Because I actually didn't have it either. It was, um, I have, um, oh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm talking about two different things. I'm conflating the two in my head. You're I'm, thinking of, of the, the Tim Conway, Conway and Corman. Yeah. No, no, no. With, yeah, Rickles, it's me and Clyde. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right, because there was there was like a little bit of a time mix up there. Well, you were not able no, to get your photo. No, I got there late because I heard there wasn't going to be a line. What a lie that was. Oh, no, there was totally a line. Well, nice. There was a line all the way back to Portland. <laughs> So, yeah, so I have a picture of me and Clyde with Rickles. That's right. You weren't able to get your picture with him. But yeah. uh, anyway, but it's uh, so, yeah, that, that uh, Mr. Warmth is, is really, really uh, quite, quite great. It's, it's a good movie. And the uh, Bob Newhart interviews are, are terrific, too. And it's, you know, and the guy and Bob Newhart, boy, you know, that's a guy that uh, he is really one of the great underrated comedians, would you say? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first really wry dead, maybe the first 
notably wry and deadpan comedian. I mean, all the guys who are sort of intellectual comics now, they really owe a big debt to Bob Newhart. He yeah. sort of created all of that. He was an accountant. Yeah. Um, hey, listen to this. Rick, here's a website where you hit your space bar in time to the song you're trying to think of, and it tells you what song it is. How does it work? That's a lie. <gasps> no. There's no way that would work. That Where's is the website? What's the website? Uh, it's uh, songtapper.com. Oh, God, it's probably some horrible porn site. No, I'm. let's see. Okay, here we go. Hold on. I'm going to tap a song in here. All right, what song should I tap in? And we got a DeVito. Okay. So I'm going to... It says, please tap the song's melody using your space bar. Okay. Click here. Done. That sounds like Aqualon. Hold on. Let's see. We're waiting. It doesn't. No, no, no. See, that, that, that's unfortunate. Um, it, it gives you various songs to choose from. Love in Vain by the Rolling Stones. Pretty Girl by Sugar Cult. Bad Fish by Sublime. Or I Disappear by Metallica. All wrong. No, all wrong. Everything except everything except the song I was looking for. Sarah, what did you try? I did just Mary Had a Little Lamb, and it came up. Really? That's so weird. So it knows Mary Had a Little Lamb. Okay. So keep I, it simple. Hold on. I got to try All right. Um, hold on. I got to try one more. Uh, Hickory Dickory Dock. All right, uh, click here to begin. begin. I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna do like I don't know. I'm gonna do like row, row, row your boat. I'll let me do that one. Hold on. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> could we could we be bigger nerds? Oh crap! I didn't begin. This it. is. Do you realize we're now? I hit, think I think you put it in wrong anyway. Do you know we're now hitting a space bar on the air for for entertainment? That's how we're that's how we're using this radio station. We're here hitting a space bar and making people listen to it. Well, we haven't found anything good since we tried to turn on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, give me one more. Give me a popular song. Tonight. I got Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Oh, I like that. Well, it doesn't identify any of mine. Tim? Uh, three Blind Mice. Give me something that's not a nursery rhyme. Oh, give uh, me a popular song. A popular song? Uh, something from the Hit Parade. Something from the Hit Parade. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't you know. Like, you worked in the radio for 40 yeah, years. I'm just going to look at it. No. 40 years. It <laughs> took a few years. I, I, I'm more than willing to take credit for the years I've worked. I, because, don't, <laughs> I'm exaggerating yes. for comedic purposes. Oh, okay. Not All right, what about Ring really of Fire? Ring of Fire. I'm just saying. 33 years. I'm just, I'm exaggerating to be amusing. Too. Oh, that was amusing. Okay, Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. Uh, wait. The, wait, hold on. <laughs> All right. Click here. Does it work? No. Good. No, you know what it thinks? You know what song it thinks that was? It thinks it was I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. Maybe you should do the chorus. Are you doing it now or are you saying I'm going to do that? If you're doing this, if you're following along at work, please try this where you are at the moment. I feel pretty. That doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't. Try the national anthem. All right, let's see if it. This is this is what it thinks. Instead of ring of fire, uh, mine thinks this is I am woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. This is a useless website. <laughs> it really is. I'm not going to be satisfied until it gets one right, though. Okay, I'm going to try one more. Hold on. Wait here. Click here to begin. Tim, you've worked in radio for 80 years. Why should I? <laughs> All right, let me try. Why don't you do Britney about... Spears hit me, baby? How about, how about Louie Louie going oh. back to my early days? All right, it'll get that. I'm predicting right now it'll get Louie Louie. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Just I'm putting the microphone to the space bar so everybody can hear the sound of the space bar. All right, let's see. 
If it doesn't get Louie Louie. That sounds like jingle bells. Yeah, that didn't sound like anything. Hold on. I bet it gets it. No. But you're not a very good tapper. Just shut up. <laughs> what did it come up with? It came up with, is this, let's see, is this I Love You by Barney? <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps it's When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. <laughs> how would you tap out Louie Louie? Um, you show me how you do it. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's not Louie Louie. You're tapping out a totally different song. No, I'm not. Let's see. Louie Louie. You are a jerk. How about Stairway to Heaven? No, I'm done. All right, fine. I'm going to try. And then we're done. <laughs> this is songtapper.com, by the way, where if you tap out. I'd like to thank. It never comes out. Jackass right. sent us this link. All right. Yeah, we're doing Are you doing Stairway to Heaven over there? <laughs> Could you tell? Why do you. That you don't leave me anything fun, Sarah. You do it too. Why can't we do it together? All right, hold we on. We might have different versions. Last one, and then we have to do more news. All right. I didn't get it, mate. All right, I'm going to tap out. I'm going to tap out. Uh, hmm. Uh, wait, no. Tap out the popcorn song. Ah, there we go. <laughs> How does it go, Tim? No, you're screwing Oh, and now you've ruined my rhythm. Hold on, I gotta do it one more time. Right, do you want to do it with I gotta it? go along with it. Hold on. Okay. Boy. All right. Okay. Ready? Yeah. All right. Done. Click here. Wait, come on. Loading. Wait. Loading. <laughs> Is this, wait, hold on. Hotel California? Is this the song Loharina Bombril by Skank? <laughs> I mean, who even knew there was a band called Skank? No, okay, I'm done. We're finished. That We're sounds done. like a band that Richie would play in. <laughs> by Skank. Hey, kids, here's the brand new swing and hit single from Skank. All right, here's, doesn't the Skank sound like a fish? I got three yellow bellied Skanks. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, it's okay for Jews to eat giraffes from now on. What? It's okay for Jews to eat giraffes. Okay. Uh, team took a routine uh, milk sample of the African animal and found it to be clotted the way Jewish law requires for kosher uh, certification. That prompted a rabbinical ruling that giraffe meat and milk are acceptable for consumption by Jews. Kosher. I barely knew her. There's a big high demand for giraffe soup. <laughs> of course there is. That's why, wouldn't, why wouldn't there be? That's what it claims. So if you have any Jewish friends, bring them over some uh, giraffe. And locks. Yes. We're all going to have bagels and giraffe. You drunken cobbler. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, very interesting radio there, Rick. Don't you shut your mouth about this radio, sir. Hey, hey why don't you tap out the Westminster... Hey! You know, why didn't I do that since that was the whole point of that stupid bit? What all right, the whole point of that It's called bit. the Westminster Chimes, and... No, but it seems, again, I suggest something and Sarah immediately starts doing it before I have it. You've got to be quicker on the ball it, it there, Chad. Like you're tapping a popcorn again. <sighs> All right, well, hold on. We're... Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, yeah. I, some, I don't think that my. I want a grandfather clock to play Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so righteous. Hey, the, the sound's called the Westminster Chimes. Big Ben doesn't make the noise because it's the name of the uh, bell, not the tower. See, now I just got some guy from Britain claiming Big Ben does that indeed. Yes, but Big Ben is the bell. It's a misnomer. Uh, All right. The tower is called the clock tower. The bell is called Big Ben. All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh -huh. This right. time I thought it was Breaking the Law by Fight Star. 
We have to stop. I know. Let's all make a pact now that we're going to stop with song okay, tapping. Okay, okay, okay. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, sir. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's not like we're wasting people's time because so far over 550 people have looked at the cat attack video. We brought it up. Clearly, there's not like we're interrupting actual work. Thank you. Bye. Would you like, would you like to speak to Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker? Yes. Hello. Like yes. Okay, let me see. If I'll get her. She's she's coming. Sarah Jessica Parker. Would you like to ask her a question? Yes, who wants to ask Sarah Jessica Parker? Go ahead. Sarah, ask Sarah Jessica Parker something. Um, how, do you, how do you feel like the premiere went, Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> I really like that dress you wore uh, on the red carpet. Who designed it? <laughs> Thank you. Well, she, she's got to run. Thank you, sir. This is the best audience ever. God, I love people. <laughs> wow. Kristen Riley. Well, Ed McMahon went on the Larry King show last night to uh, talk about him uh, losing his house. And and his uh, he's 85 years old, and uh, he and his wife who looks much younger than he is, well, probably is. He is much younger, I would imagine. This is like his tenth wife. He always goes after the young ones, and he always flees them, and he never learns. He is discussing <laughs> options like he has them. He wants uh, he and his wife to stay in their six-bedroom Beverly Hills home, but he can't make any more money right now because he has a broken neck, and who's going to hire him? I just want to give them hope, give them optimism, give them some kind of guidance, get the best corrected people you need around you, you know, keep working on it, don't stop. You know, there's a lot of people that are hard workers, did everything right, didn't do anything wrong, and all of a sudden they're in this boat. Maybe he, well, you know what? I think his wife broke his neck. because he re- he <laughs> That's was, Tim Riley who's speculating he about re- that. He refused to discuss it at all. Really? But did, it happened at home. Would he not discuss it? He wouldn't he explain would how it happened? He would not discuss how he broke his neck. That's interesting. It happened 18 months ago. Because neck breaking is a pretty, that's not like a commonplace ailment. That's a... You know, that's a, that's not a, that, like being stung by a mosquito. No, it's not it's like, like spraining your wrist. Away. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and, and when he says that if through no fault, I'm, I don't look, it's not like I'm some paragon of financial responsibility. Let's have no illusions about that. Not like I'm some, uh, you know, some, not like I'm the benchmark for, for, for fiscal sense. But as, again, like us pointed out the other day, you know, Ed McMahon was on The Tonight Show for like 40 years. Yeah. He was a pitch man for Budweiser for decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, you, you, up until just recently, you couldn't turn on the commercial, uh, turn on the television without seeing him advertising for something. How does he not have any money? I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense. How do you work in television and as a pitch man for big companies like Budweiser for four decades plus, and then you have no money, you don't, you don't have enough to pay the rent? So when he says through no fault of his own, don't get me wrong, I love Ed McMahon, I really do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Tim, you as a uh, uh, you as a slumlord, you would agree with this. That I mean, he, he, I, ha- I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a jerk, but it kind of is through his like he's not paying his rent. Well, his wife was complaining that she has to shop at the dollar bin at Target now. I mean, I think that's kind of how it works in America. You don't pay the rent, you gotta go. That's kind in of the 30 deal. Thirty days. Yeah. <laughs> no exceptions. No exceptions. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't not mean running a bank here. I don't. <laughs> I don't. 
I don't mean to sound like an ass about it, but when Ed McMahon says, these good people who, through no fault of their own, pay your rent. Pay your rent, Ed McMahon. And it's one thing to talk to some, you know, to some Joe Schlub who, you know, works some minimum wage job and gets fired. You're Ed McMahon. You were, you were on the Tonight Show for like half a, half a century. Pay your rent and this won't happen. Well, he and his lovely wife, Pam, uh, at his side, was complaining that he lives next door to uh, Britney Spears and is hunted by the paparazzi. And a trooper in our neighborhood. <laughs> uh-huh. Keep he her away from your neck. He tells uh, Larry King he gets many encouraging messages from people now. That have sent messages like that, little things that out of nowhere, and it's just unbelievable. It's, uh, and it, it's, it's kept me, I'm on the go. I'm going to make it work. Somehow I'm going to make this work. Uh-huh. I mean, there aren't many jobs available for an old man with a broken neck. I was going to say, maybe he could uh, maybe he could pitch for some sort of a splint company here. Some mm-hmm. kind of a neck brace emporium. Commodes are us. Mm-hmm. Sponge bath world. A very important uh, birthday is in the works for Rogers Nelson. <laughs> yes, Prince was born today. Fifty years ago in Minnesota, his real name is Prince Rogers Nelson, which stems from the name of his father's jazz band. He began his musical career in junior high, playing in a band called Grand Central. At the age of 19, he had a recording deal with Warner Brothers. His first album for you came out in 1978? I guess so. It uh, featured his first Hot 100 hit, Soft and Wet. Three more albums would follow before he reached mainstream success in 1999. What? 1999. I think you may be that... <laughs> with or in? Oh, with. Okay. 1999. I'm making... I'm calling it right now. Prince is going to age really well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, I, he already is. And I don't just mean in his physical appearance, although he doesn't well, it's seem impossible to be... for him to put on weight. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Something just sex everything right on him once he gets in there. He is He is kind of like, you know, he's just like like a little musical elf or something. He He's just kind of a little a little pixie with a guitar. It's not just, I mean, physically he still looks good, but also don't you get, like, there are certain rock stars that just, you know, that just can't pull it off when they're, like, 60 years of age. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I say that even though Mick Jagger's, like, a thousand years old and still prances around pretending he's the devil, but, I mean, I think there's certain rock stars, like Pink Floyd, those guys will be able to play until they drop, because it's not about, you know, I, there's just something there. He's just got a certain something where you sense that he will remain stylish and sort of with it even as he becomes older. All right, uh, we'll continue with Tim Riley in one moment. This, however, from Los Angeles is CNN radio correspondent James. Hello, sir. How are you? My uh, my brother has life. Prince is a very good guitarist. He's uh, one of the underrated guitarists of all times. I I saw him in in a small venue just rip it up, man, for about 16, 17 minutes. I uh... just an amazing display of uh, of guitar work. How long ago would that have been? 97, Yeah, so that was probably the same tour. My friend Simone uh, saw him on that same tour uh, when I think he was sort of, uh, had a little bit of a personal renaissance, I guess, going on. He was. It was post-Purple Rain. Yeah, because he had sort of been off the road and had sort of, he had a whole fight with his record company. He didn't want to tour and he was kind of disowning a lot of his stuff. And, you know, he was just didn't want to go out and play the game, as he put it, or whatever. And then in about 97, he put out this record. I think that's when he put out the Gold album, maybe. That might have been the record that was in stores. And my, I didn't see the show, but my friend Simone saw him at sort of a big club. Uh, and she said that said, said thing, the same thing that it, there was this showcase moment where he just went on the guitar for like ten minutes. Yeah, and it was just she said it was just jaw dropping. It was it was it was 
Jimi Hendrix-ish. Yeah, I mean, he, you know? and because he does so, he has such a strong image and visually, and he has such a strong sort of, you know, there's a sort of controversial, like, sexual component to the songs, and plus, because he does, and because he does so much, like, you know, because he does his own percussion, his own keyboards, his own everything, people don't really appreciate how good of a guitarist he is. I mean, it really is pretty stunning. I mean, the Super Bowl, I remember he really sort of drove that home to people again. So. Yeah, but you know, when you have a guitarist that breaks into a solo, it's usually no more than a couple of minutes. Right. And those who go longer, the solo, they don't connect, and it's disjointed, and they try different stuff. But this was about 17 minutes of flow. I mean, it was that, it was that good. It's almost as if it was written. And uh, and and it was all the same solo. It wasn't disjointed like most of them are. Well, the drum, great. so much of the time when you go to see a band and it's like a drum solo or a guitar, and i got to tell you, it's, that is the one really, really great thing that for many years, that's the one great thing that grunge accomplished, is that in the post-Nirvana era, the great thing was you didn't have to go see a band and have to sit through a combined like 40 minutes of stupid self-indulgent drum and guitar solos for the love of all that is holy. I mean, I'm a big dorky rock fan from way back, but boy, I can't even imagine. If think of the hours of my life. I am probably a week closer to death if you take into account every minute I had to sit in a stupid venue and watch a drum solo or a guitar solo. And the only people who care about those things typically are the other musicians that are there that night. You know, who cares about a drums really? Unless you're watching John Bonham, who cares about a drum solo? Other drummers. That's it. Other drummers and guys who are stoned. So. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, I have seen... Uh, who, what's the guy's name? Neil Peart? Is yeah. that his name? Yeah, from uh, from Rush. Rush. Yeah. I, I, when I saw that, I mean, that was that was probably the best drum solo. I didn't mind sitting through that one. Oh, no, but I mean, but that's the thing is, right? There's, but that was 1978, I think. I mean, that was... And it's like watching, you know, Prince do a guitar solo. There's only one Neil Peart. Yeah. Uh, you know, Neil Peart, well, you know, even I, and I'm not much of a Rush fan, even I would watch that guy. But he's, the, but be, but that's the problem, right? Because of him, it's, you know what it is? Here's a better comparison. Neil Peart is to drum solos as Eddie Van Halen is to guitar solos. Yeah, I would say that's true. I mean, yeah, I'll watch Eddie Van Halen do, do a guitar solo. Why he's Eddie Van Halen? But the problem is everybody who grew up listening to that, they and plus it's an easy way for everybody else in the band to go backstage and do mounds of blow, uh, you know. <laughs> that's and, true because the stage would clear every time. Right. Man. Yeah. That's that's like their moment. Everybody else goes back and jacks themselves full of china and, white. You know, you know, I was in a band you know, in high school. You know, we did a lot of that crap. And um and when our drummer would do a solo, we would all leave stage, but we thought it was just because that's what you do. Right. Now that you bring it up, yeah, we yeah. should have been doing something backstage. No, because they're all out racking out lines of crystal meth on the yeah, amplifier. We were. While there's some guy out there going like, wah, 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 on one, and plus, here's the other thing about that. The, the guy who was doing, I mean, I, I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan, but I saw Guns N' Roses um, at the Kingdom many years back. And it was like, I think at one point, I think there was a guitar solo. And then a drum solo. I'm fairly sure at one point there was, I kid you not, a harmonica solo. I thought you were going to tell me there was a bass solo. I think there might have been a bass solo as well. There was a keyboard solo. Uh, there was a piano solo, which was okay. Uh, but, but, I mean, it was just like so mindlessly self-indulgent. And you just and the other thing is, with some exceptions, most of the time when the guy is doing the guitar solo or the drum solo, you know that he's drunk or high or whatever, and so what he finds really interesting to play, you don't find really interesting to listen to. For example... <laughs> That's so well said. It, 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 for that example, is so well said. When I saw Guns N' Roses, Slash, who really is one of the preeminent guitarists of our time, he 
did this great solo, but as you said, it was almost, it wasn't even like a solo, it was just sort of like an instrumental song almost. Yeah. And he wove in this great thing where he played the Godfather theme on the electric guitar, and it was very beautiful. And his his guitar solo was really great. Here's the, the, the polar twin to that. Here's the opposite. It is in the Woodstock film, the original Woodstock movie. And people f- sort of forget some of the bands that played at Woodstock because everybody just thinks about Jimi Hendrix and hippie bands and whatever. People forget that, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival was there and, uh, and, and Sly and the Family Stone were there. And so there's this great footage of Sly and the Family Stone. And Sly himself is just, I mean, he's just gone. I mean, just so unbelievably toasted on something. I mean, he's just so, so high. And he's playing the keyboards, and at one point, there's this moment in the Woodstock film where Sly Stone is, like, jamming out on the keyboard, and he finds, like, one note, like, literally one key on the keyboard that really strikes his fancy, like, middle C. And I swear to you, it's, like, half an hour of him, like, leaning way back, his hand on the keyboard, just hitting this one key over and over and over on this one key. And then people are going, wow! And he himself, you look at it, and he's just like his eyes are shut, and he's kind of clenching his teeth, and sort of like laying back, and like he's really lost. He's like really feeling this middle C that he's that's playing for like an hour. Key, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, and so the that's so you frequently get the latter there. That's what you get. So in any event, um, crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, all right. Uh, I don't even. We talking meanwhile, about. meanwhile in California. Um, well, you got this, I mean, this is the sort of all these human interest stories that are sort of being rolled out because of the gas prices. And so there are all these guys, and they're all city dwellers, by the way, the vast majority of people who lived in the city and somehow deluded themselves into thinking they needed some big behemoth SUV. And so now it is, as they say, a buyer's market, right? Because nobody out there trying to buy themselves a huge gas-guzzling SUV. No. In fact, uh, I opened up the auto trader yesterday and made a whole bunch of phone calls to people seeing if they've... You know, who have the 2004, 2005 Escalades for sale. Right. You know, the mint condition things. And, uh, you know, they're not getting nibbles on these things. These, these have been in the classifieds for a month. And a couple of people even said to me, well, I bought this thing four years ago mm-hmm. when President Bush gave us the tax incentive to do that. You know, you buy a car over $6,000, you can write the entire cost of the car off on your taxes. So they saved $15,000 in taxes that year. Now, <laughs> they're going, it's almost as if he knew we were getting into this mess, mm-hmm. you know? So the conspiracy theorists were coming out yesterday, too. Well, the, and the other thing is, they always they always do that thing where they talk about gas prices around the world, and they say, well, you know, gas is $14 a gallon in Belize or whatever, and which is sort of misleading because, like, they'll talk about how much more expensive gas is in Britain than here, which is kind of misleading because Britain, you just don't drive as much like in London. I mean, you know, just a lot of these places are smaller countries. Like in Amer- America is a driving nation. I mean, they you, drive little tiny cars. Yeah, and you know that better than anybody being in L.A. I mean, where, you know, you've you got to drive long distances. It's just the way it is. But the other thing is they were showing like in Iraq where gas is 40 cents a gallon. Yeah. I mean, so, you know. Well, that's where they, I mean, if we would just tap our own resources. Um, we we could lower prices here too. I suppose. I mean, it, the, uh, somebody was making this point the other day. They were, there was some interview with some 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 nitwit, uh, and on, I think it was on CNN TV. There's there's my see you and I. That's why we have the same respect for the for the man on the street. Some nitwit. Uh, but he's like, well, you know, right now with the uh, escalating gas prices and everything, I uh, and of course he's some guy who lives in the city. He lives in like the midtown of some some metropolis. It's like, well, now with the gas prices the way they are, I, 
I don't really think there's uh, much of a reason to own, uh, you know, this uh, big canyon arrow. And they cut back, and it's like, a, you know, it's an SUV the size of a house. And what, what, the re- what the reporter is too kind to point out is there was never a reason to own it. Not for that guy. Yeah. If you're Ted Kaczynski, you know, bad example, sorry. But if you're some guy, if you're Grizzly Adams, you need an SUV. If you're some guy who lives in the city, you don't need an SUV now, and you didn't need one when you bought it. You just bought it uh, because you know, because the guy down the street had one, and you wanted to have one that was slightly larger. That's it. You wanted a big car. Exactly. And so, you know, so everybody who sort of bought an SUV when there was no reason to own it then is sort of getting getting the shaft, which is what happens when you buy things that you can't afford. I, mean, I, I talked to a guy yesterday who had to fill up his car about two or three times a week because he's a salesman. Mm-hmm. And he's spending $300 a week on gas. Ugh. I mean, that's just insane. I know somebody who commutes to Oregon City uh, to work, and Oregon City is, I don't know, how far away from from Portland's Oregon City, Tim? It's about uh, 10 minutes. Yeah, So uh, and so she figures she spends 4 bucks a day on just the gas for the commute. Just the gas is 4 bucks a day, which is, you know, you say that 4 bucks a day isn't that much, but I mean, that's 100 bucks. That's $1,200 a year additionally out of your pocket on top yeah. of what you were already spending just to do that every day. That's crazy. So, anyway, well, that's a good So, I guess if somebody out there is really wanting to collect a lot of SUVs, this is the time. Yeah, you know, and then you you put them in a warehouse somewhere, and then when gas prices come down, you resell. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you see this thing about uh, about LA suing Time Warner Cable? Yeah. So, what is so that's this is stupid. It is just it's Something for the I, I'm thinking what's wrong with the city attorney? I mean, so they're suing the cable TV company. I mean, what is to what's to sue over? <laughs> I don't even really understand what are they, they suing because they don't like Grey's Anatomy. Suing, no, they're suing because they're claiming false advertisement. When Time Warner started buying up the cable companies in LA to be the number one cable company, uh, they promised better service. Right. Well, people, there was a there's a transition. So there was a period of time when people's service would go out. Uh, they'd make phone calls. They my services out because they were overwhelmed with service calls. The guy wasn't getting there on time. So the, here's what the city attorney said yesterday. Here's his reasoning for wasting the taxpayers' money on this lawsuit. He says, if Time Water would have said, we're going to try and do a better job, and that's all they said, then he wouldn't be filing this lawsuit. But because they promised better service uh-huh. immediately – it's 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 false advertisement and misleading the public, so he's filing the lawsuit. Now, how ridiculous is that? And this is this is what's his name? This is uh, Rocky Digadio. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky, Mr. Slickhair. <laughs> All right. Well, the, so the Mr. moral of the story Mr. is, I, I let my wife crash my city vehicle and claim I was driving it. <laughs> so the moral is never Mr. promise how many to kids do. Do you have never promise to do a better job? That's the lesson we've That's learned here lesson, today. Yeah, never promise, man. Heaven forbid. You know, something happens, and you break, and you have to break that promise for legitimate reasons even. Heaven forbid, because Rocky will be coming after you. From now on, the Rick Emerson Show is going to promise nothing but to provide substandard entertainment to all. <laughs> we'll try our best. Completely. We'll try. <laughs> I'll, I'll try as much as I can without breaking a sweat. I know I'm substandard, but I'm going to try. <laughs> that's the moral. There you that's, can avoid every lawsuit. That's kept us in good stead for 10 years. There's a friend. bumper sticker right there. All right, brother. Have a good weekend. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, boss. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. I'm reading about the reptile man. Okay. He has worked with reptiles. Does for he have a reptile years. stand? Uh, his his uh, website is OregonReptileMan.com, and it shows him bringing uh, an alligator, scratching a little boy's head, and kids. Wow. With a, I guess that would be a python, wouldn't it? Wow. That's a huge... Go to OregonReptileMan.com. That's an alligator right next to a child. And then he keeps a, a log of what he does. 
He said on March 1st, he picked up two bearded dragons, two water dragons, a plated lizard, and a gecko from a man in Portland who was moved to Arizona. Uh, on February 25th, he received three rattlesnakes from a man who no longer wished to keep them. <laughs> then he picked up a bearded dragon in Silverton. He rescued a dump pair of bearded dragons. Apparently, these bearded dragons are, are popular and people get tired of them. Do you suppose it would be interesting to have a guy bring reptiles onto a radio show? Yes. Me too. I mean, I can live it on my Joan Embry fantasy. I can deal with the size of that alligator. All right, okay. You think? Yeah, oh, no. I'm, I was just envisioning, like, walking like a seven-foot alligator. Like Don Johnson's <laughs> alligator from Miami Vice? I think this is going to end poorly. Okay. We should, uh, have, we should see if he wants to come on. Received a call for a snake inside of a washing machine in some apartments in Clackamas. He had escaped uh, from the previous occupants. And then a uh, man in Canby had a uh, 90-pound albino python. He didn't want it in the house any longer. I met his wife moved uh, to Oregon from California. They have two desert tortoises. We should contact him and have him come on the show. Maybe next week sometime. That sounds like fun. Excellent. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, Scott Daly will be here. We'll do the top five Pink Floyd songs that aren't on the wall. Uh, and let's see. The hell else? You were going to remind me to do something, Sarah. Your oh, my shrink assessment. form. We'll do my... Uh, we'll talk about the assessment about whether or not I'm nutty. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I had to go up some stairs. Okay. Wow. I'm feeling lightheaded. I love this bed. All right. Okay. I had to go upstairs and down again. Life is rough. Hi, Tim. How are you? Out of shape. I'm flabby. It may be crazy. All right, um, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, Margie, or Maggie. Margie. Well, whatever you want to call her, Maggie Anderson has been in her parade spot since midnight last night, heeding the new rules prohibiting saving spots for the parade. Oh, God, you know, a woman named Margie is exactly the type of woman who does that, too. You can stay there as long as you don't move. And apparently she has not. So she says her spot near Northeast First Avenue, Northeast Widler, is her traditional spot for watching the parade. Widler. And camping out is part of the fun. It's the event before the event, she says. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it's going to rain. But she had a little blankets and watched commuters whiz by on busy <laughs> Widler Street. <today. laughs> I want a place where I can watch people whiz by. Uh-huh. Uh, nearby Cooler held beverages cooler. to help her pass the time. So the parade begins at uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow. Okay. You sure that's not a side effect from... Oh, they didn't give you any drugs yet, did they? No. No, I have to wait another five weeks. I filled out this form, though. It's and... all in red. It sounds very serious. <laughs> Everyone's there lots of, like, Everything is highlighted in red. Well, we'll do a... Let's do a few more news There, there were no yeah. empty spaces. I, well, you know what we could do? Mm-hmm. Just to amuse everybody. Yes. Or no one. Um, that's all we've done all day as amuse people. We won't do the... <laughs> with our constant... Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Um, 
I won't go through all the questions because there's like 80 of them, but I did highlight certain questions they have here. And well, let's just do this now. We'll talk about this now, and then we'll get some phone calls. Uh, Scott Daly is uh, going to be here later on. We'll do the top five. All right. Um, so I don't even know where to start. So, uh, so I made this shrink appointment like six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I finally went there this morning. I dig it up at 7 o'clock, go to Clackamas and sit in the office and blah, 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 blah. And I go in, and of course, and it's always, I don't know why it is, but whenever I have to do something like this, it's like they always give me the hot shrink, which just, it was just all kinds of, you know, because then... Hot shrink, like shrink wrap? <laughs> it's like a hot shrink. What's the hot it's shrink? The hot shrink from Ron Popeil. <laughs> I'm Ron Popeil. Are you trying to try banana slices? Try my hot shrink. Uh, no, she was just, uh, she was a very, I found her very alluring. Oh, uh, lady. Yeah, it was a lady shrink. No, they could, ladies can do anything now, Tim. No, I, as long no, as they're I given you, permission. The um, you described it was like some kind of cellophane <laughs> that you were wrapped in. Me too, I thought it was something naughty. <laughs> wrapped in something naughty. Then they gave naughty. me the hot shrink. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, anyway, so I go in there and I'm talking to this like, um, lady. this like hot psychiatrist chick. And um, I guess she wasn't a psychiatrist because she couldn't prescribe. That's the deal. And they ask you the weirdest question when you sit down. Because all I'm on, I'm on Trazodone, which is not even, I mean, that's just a sleeping uh, pill. Uh, and so I sit down and she said, she said, well, okay, Rick, how are you today? And I said, well, I'm kind of crazy. Ha ha, you know, or whatever I said. And, uh, and she said, okay, so, um, so you, you know, we'll have you fill out this form. Are you, um, are you hoping for medication? Which is a weird question because it makes you seem like you're a junkie. Like, you don't want to answer yes to that. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I think it's a trick question. No. No, I'm not hoping for medication. I mean, maybe. If That's you... one of the reasons for their existence. I suppose. I mean, but, like, it seems wrong to say that I'm hoping for that. So I, I said, well, I'm, I don't know. Would you think, I, do I look like I need medication? I don't know. You need medication. Quit looking at me. You I'm know? mildly optimistic about the possibility. That's exa- I said something like that. I said, well, perhaps you can help me assess whether or not medication is in my best interest, hot, sexy doctor lady. And um, so we're doing this whole thing. And, she, and we had, before you even go to the shrink, it's like, it's like a 50-step process. I mean, I had to do a phone consultation uh, like five weeks ago. Then they gave me the appointment this morning. And having done the appointment, now it's going to be another five weeks before they send me to the psychiatrist who would write me the prescription. But so based on my initial phone cons- uh, consultation or whatever with them, they had they had speculated that I suffered from either ADHD or ADD. Uh, the first one is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And the other one is undifferentiated attention deficit disorder. And so I don't even know what the difference is. Well, then, see, that's what you would think because you didn't really explain it to me. So one is one and the other one is the other one, but I don't I don't know what the hell I don't know what the difference actually is. Um, and so anyway, what they do is uh, see we could pitch this to Lacey Turner's being in the public interest here. Mm-hmm. So the deal is you go through this checkmark and that you list personality traits and whether or not they apply to you on a scale of one to four. One being like not at all. So you're gonna quiz Tim and I to see how well we know you. Yeah. Oh, do you want to say whether it was how, how I answered? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So the deal is uh, for for these questions you rank them one to four. One being not at all. Two being like a little, three being yes, and four being like full Absolutely. on, like hella. Okay. Yeah, so one to four. And I'll just give you the I'll give you the highlights here. Um short attention span, especially for low interest activities. Four. Four. No, see now I'll give you a benchmark. I said three. Okay. Uh, may, right, maybe right, being so more, be maybe being more, because I think four is like incarcerate me now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, three. You don't want to show all the crazy right up front. That's the thing is it's like, right? And that's the other you thing. You lay out your cards Did you ever fill out one of these? Do you ever fill out a thing like this where you have to rank it on a scale of one to five and you're afraid of putting all ones or all fives because it make you, because then it makes you look like you're not really trying. Mm-hmm. 
if you just fill out fives or ones, it makes you feel like you're not, like you, you don't want to look like you're not taking the test seriously. They're like, I'll, I'll split the difference. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. Uh, do you have nicknames such as Spacey or Dreamer? Who has a nickname of Spacey? Kevin Spacey. Kevin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said two. No. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, excitability. Four. In what way? See, four. Uh, I think that's, it, it is ranked under impulsivity. So excitability, I think, which is, means that you have... Uh, like little kids spaz out. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. See, I don't think they would put it that way medically, sir. But it's like out of the blue, you're like, all right! Which sounds like a thing I do about every nine minutes here. I've got the best idea you've ever heard! Anyway, yeah, four. Low frustration tolerance. When I'm confused by that, low frustration tolerance. Uh, meaning, uh, meaning, do I get frustrated very easily? No, I wouldn't say that. Mm, I'd say like a three. See, I said four. Really? Because don't because don't it doesn't seem like I get frustrated by things really like. Well, you become obsessed with things. Well, not those you notice. Uh, excessively shifts from one activity four. to another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I'm filling out this whole quiz, and I'm like, you know, it's so strange because. I, I, it's just weird because you wonder how many of these things are because of my job or am I because of, in my job because of these things. Yeah, so excessively shifts from one to another four. Difficulty in group situations which require patience and taking turns. Uh, we should just stop this four. 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 How about four this one? in groups, really. How about this one? Interrupts frequently. Four. Oh, four. <laughs> <laughs> Restlessness, either fidgetiness or constantly on the go. Are you going to give us any that aren't fours? I'm I'm just checking off the questions that made me sort of go, hmm. I am crazy. Four. 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 How about this one? I swear to Christ, these are all right off the Copeland, uh, the Copeland symptom checklist for ADHD. Excessive talking. I mean, how do I even rank that, though? Like, how does it really? I actually That's had... That's kind of funny. Did you kind of chuckle? I did. I did. It's funny. You've got to get out of my head because I laughed out loud, and I was kind of waiting for her to go, what's so funny? But she didn't ask me. Oh, but was I, she sitting I... there watching you taking notes as you took the test? No, she was actually doing something else. She was okay. doing something else. She was did like she doing... offer you tea when you got there? She didn't, uh, actually, although she had a bunch of it there. She had the easy chair and the tea. They all have the tea. They all, all have of the tea. Them. But it's never caffeinated. Mm-mm. I need caffeine! Um... But and so I laughed at that one she, when it says like, "Do you suffer from excessive talking?" I mean, how oh, well. like how am I even supposed to answer that? Did you tell her? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just a talk radio show host. Well, but see, here's the, see here's the other thing. Does she know what you do? Uh, I, sort of like when okay, I don't know when the last time anybody here. I know Sarah has. But, I mean, when you go to see like a shrink or something like that, and they say, "What do you do?" Uh, how I mean, how specific are you about it? I just go when a, with a shrink, just all out. Aren't you always afraid they're going to be a listener? Well, they probably are. But I mean, would they tell you? I remember if when I saw when I saw my shrink, and that was when I was working on Channel Six News, and I'm like, oh, and she can see her cra- this crazy person in the morning. If your shrink knew, but that was just bad lighting. If your <laughs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> if your Kim. shrink was a listener, are they required to tell you? Do you think? I don't think so. Because you know Howard Stern has a shrink, and I think about that all the time. Like, how could you possibly do an objective job on Howard Stern or Woody Allen, for that matter? How could you possibly be an objective analyst or whatever, a analyst for Woody Allen if you were, I mean, and you, of course you would know who he was. I think about that all the time, actually. I mean, not that we're obviously, you know, on the Howard Stern level, but I mean, you know, but but I, I think I'm like, what does this guy do? Like, is he a listener? And then and, and would he have to tell? I'd be curious to know that, actually, if they would have to disclose that they were listeners. 
I mean, not to overstate the greatness of us, but I mean, we got, you know, we, we have fans. Uh, so anyway, but so I never say I'm a talk show host uh, unless my but my wife was there with the last time well, and she totally that, prodded me. Well, yeah, and you've got to be. I mean, I, I say I say I'm on the radio. Okay, that's it. But you know what? Maybe it has to do with your job. I think you should just say all exactly what you do. Really? Totally. So she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I, I said sometimes I'll say I'm an entertainer. Like if I if I know it's a low grade kind of a thing, I'll just say, well, I'm an entertainer. If they press me on it, I'll say I work in radio." Uh, the last shrink that I went to, the one that I have to see again this afternoon, the one that I get to see again this afternoon, uh, my wife said, he's a talk radio host. Yeah. <laughs> Which was probably the best thing. That's a, yeah, because if, if they don't have all the information to go on, you know, they can't really help you. That is true, Sarah. So, anyway, so I'm looking at this question. Excessive talking. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, how do I even answer that? Does that mean when I'm not at work? Or does it mean... I would assume so. Does it mean in my life in general? Well, I mean, since work is part of your life and you do talk for four hours a day. And I kind of, let's be honest. important information. And I sort of have this job probably because I talk all the time. And you talk, I mean, it's not like you're sitting there sulking between breaks. I mean, we're always just wandering around chatting with people the entire time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I put four. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. What else do we have here? Does not cooperate with others. Is determined to do things own way. Four. Yeah. Argumentative. <laughs> really? Four. Disregard socially accepted behavioral expectations. I'm wearing a black T-shirt and jeans. Hi, I'm 35. Frequent job changes. See, I didn't know how to answer that one either. Only when forced. Oh, we're just kind of forced, yes. So I said one. Yeah, I said not at all because it's never by choice. I haven't quit a radio job in years. Mm-hmm. No, I never have. Um, frequent and unpredictable mood swings. Yes, four. Um, irritability. Four. Four. Easily overstimulated. Hard to stop once revved up. Four. <laughs> Low frustration tolerance. Excessive emotional reaction to frustrating situations. Four. So. So that graph would be pretty much even. Yeah. Through the whole it's, thing. It's a line. It's, it's not, even, a line. It's not <laughs> even a graph. It's just a line. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Angry outbursts. Four. <laughs> On-air mental breakdowns. <laughs> Difficulty, this is under poor peer relations, difficulty following the rules of social interactions, four. I mean, and would you say that it's a fair assessment that I'm giving myself fours in all of these? Yes. Like, I'm not trying to be a drama queen about it, but I mean, i got to be honest. You're being very limited. Bosses other people around, always wants to be the leader, four. Critical of others, four. Sees things from own point of view and does not negotiate differences well, four. Underdeveloped sense of responsibility. <laughs> and see, I don't know how to answer that one either. Because I'm sort of irresponsible. But then again, I'm reasonably professional no, you're about not certain Laura's things. Responsible. You're not responsible. Okay, fair enough. Well, I gave myself a two there. I guess I should have given it four. Didn't doesn't matter. You must be responsible enough to be left by yourself when she goes away. Without burning sure. myself. <laughs> Without setting the house on fire. So maybe that's not as high as the other. Without <laughs> burning yourself. He's unreasonable or demanding. Four. So anyway, so it's like a whole thing of like if you scored and they do in a percentage, like what percentage of these are three or four? And I think if it's it's that if you have more than I think a sixty percent, if you break sixty percent, like you're crazy, and I'm at ninety three percent. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Is that what she said? She didn't say she didn't put it that way. She said, I'm going to refer you to a psychiatrist who might want to prescribe something for you. Oh, but no, here's the thing: going to take away the fun. They're going to numb you. You know, uh, no, Aaron, we just tested this on monkeys, and we think that you might like to try it. Creative yeah. types don't need to be stifled by medication. That's true. If only you were my doctor. 
so, in any... It well, doesn't make you take anything. You know, it doesn't matter because it's five weeks away regardless. Totally. So, I got another five weeks where I can just even... pretend like you've just become mentally sound in those five weeks. I don't know what that... I don't know how to do that, though. What are mentally sound people... What are they like? I don't know. Tim? I don't know either. I mean, I sit in here all day. <laughs> with me. I can kind of pretend <laughs> to be one. But the crazy always comes out. That's what I mean. You can't hide the crazy for very long, can you? I mean, it's, it eventually it just sort of pours forth. Well, well it's not you in go. your interest to, to lie. No, well, that's, that's the thing. Is see, and I tried to be honest. I didn't want to lie and be like, no, 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 I'm fine. I think everything is great, and I get along well with others. Because those are all well, lies. Some medications can be temporary, too. I mean, you can get on antidepressants or whatever, and it's not a, a lifetime commitment. You can get on them to kind of rewire your brain. You know then... what I really want is just a big bottle of Valium. That's kind of what I wanted to ask her. Can I just get a big, big box of Valium? I mean, I think that would really make things a lot better at this point. Yeah. Can I, keep like, that can I get a grip of Valium, please? Okay, so our friend Janice wrote in. She thinks that you have ADHD and not ADD. I don't even know what that difference is. Because ADD means you have attention issues with no hyperactivity, but ADHD means you're hyper as well. That's no attention. Right. All right. Nothing well, that matters. No, I mean, so, uh, so, but, I mean, there's any number of things. So, there's, I mean, there's like, they can give you, like, a Valium or whatever, which is just, like, a sedative, which is great, which is, I can't is even what, tell you how great is it is. ADHD, is that, like, Ritalin and stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I really, I don't know the answer to that, actually. Um, and then there's, like, Prozac and... Zoloft and all that stuff, which they... I took Prozac uh, like eight or nine years ago, and I didn't like it at all. Uh, it just made me jittery. It didn't really change me. It just made me like on edge all the time. And I don't really need to be any more on edge. And then there's... Um, what's it? Uh, like Adderall and Ritalin and stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't they give you something a few months ago and you were sitting here panting? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Tara? Remember me panting a few months no, ago? No, I remember you, you were all weird when you first got on your sleeping medication. That might have been it. Well, no, I think that's because... I think that's before they gave it to me. I think I, they gave me the sleeping medication because I was having, because I was just not sleeping. I was sleeping like four hours a night, which is not bad, like one night or two you know, out of the week. But I mean, for like, for, for weeks, I was just sleeping at four hours and I was just kind of going. Oh, right. you're fine now. Yeah, I'm much better. So in any event, so I suppose it wouldn't help if I just told them that Adderall sounds fantastic. <laughs> Everything I've read, read about Adderall, it just seems like an amazingly enjoyable drug. So maybe that's my play then. Maybe it'll just be no refills. So, I, you know, and the no refills thing is frustrating. Then you have to go sit with the nitwits again and wait for the guy to give you more drugs. Mm. I'll be with my trazodone. All right. Ah, oh, Jesus. Um, all right. Well, I'm looking at the punch. Ground hold. Hang tight. We'll get to these calls just around the corner. Um, plus, uh, Scott Daly uh, from Film Fever Radio. We'll do the top five as well. I didn't get a chance to do this ironic or not thing. Well, maybe we'll do that later. Uh, plus more from Tim Riley. You stay right there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's Friday. You stay there, kids. Here's Chicks Dig It. your vision gets exponentially worse, so you should keep wearing them. I know, they're just annoying. Your glasses? Yeah. Why are they annoying? Because I'm not, cause Maybe you know, I'm not used to wearing them. Forever, yeah. so. You get used to them. Do you have more than one pair? Yeah, I have two. All right, see, so there you go. You're all set. Uh, all right, uh, Rick, you're wondering if you're ADHD. Consider for a moment that your diet consists of viso coffee and food from the plaid pantry. Hmm? I wonder why you might feel a little strange. Yeah, fair enough. 
right. seems Hilarious. Like, seems like there was something we were going to do here. Anything? No, because no, we were going to do your thing, and then we already did that. Yeah. Uh, were we going to uh, talk to Richie anymore? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we're going to do an Insta poll? Were we going to do that Insta poll from yesterday? No. I, there was something I was going to do here, but I can't remember what it is now. Uh, Rick, in my professional opinion, it's clear you suffer from ADHD as well as an enlarged ass tumor that keeps you from preventing you from... Oh, I'm sorry, I've blown the joke because I stumbled. From riding your bike? No, and it ends with... Seems to be preventing you from re- resolving your anal tension. Now, see, and it was—I was—if I'd just been able to get it out there, would it work? That wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. Sorry for sorry for blowing your joke there, sir. Uh, all right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. So Scott Daly will join us here in a few. Uh, we'll have uh, top five top five uh, Pink Floyd songs that are not from the wall. Don't forget. Awesome. One random caller today wins Evil Knievel, the tribute to Evil Knievel by Jackass. Uh, working in conjunction with BMX legend Matt Hoffman, Johnny Knoxville hosts a super stunt spectacular in homage to the late great Evil Knievel. Over an hour, special features include behind-the-scenes photo gallery and music video. Uh, that is the Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel, available now on DVD. Uh, let's see, um, what else do we have here? Rick, hey, that Friday the 13th documentary, uh, where is that found? Is that on the box set? Uh, okay, the Friday the 13th documentary is actually a DVD supplement, sir, you are correct. It is on the Friday the 13th box set that came out in 1998 and it has the first eight Friday the 13th movies. It does not have Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday, uh, Jason X or Jason versus Freddy. It is up to and including Friday the 13th, eight Jason Takes Manhattan. And then there's a whole DVD uh, which you can rent separately, which I did at the Movie Madness. Uh, that is, it's a two-hour documentary about the history of the Friday the Thirteenth series, and I would strongly recommend it. It's uh, it's fantastic. Cool. Um, let's see here. We can ah. always tap out more songs. That is true. All right, uh, let's do some of these phone calls here. Uh, then we'll welcome Scott Daly. We'll do the top five. Uh, Court and Fatboy was stopping by. I wish I could remember. It seemed like there was something really interesting that I had set aside to do. Well, whatever. All right. I'm not going to do Let's just keep on going. I'm just serious. I was going to, you know. I, Don't just stay here and think about it for a little while. Damn it all to hell. Uh, hello. Oh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, good friend, uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, host of Miles Around. Hello, sir. Hi. How are you doing? How are you, my brother? How's life? Uh, life is uh, free and uh, unobstructed from a daytime job. So, Excellent. Uh, I've just spent the whole day down at the racetrack and uh, gearing up for the show tomorrow. <laughs> life is hard. <laughs> well, I, never, I never get a chance to, you know, hover outside your office and basically make you feel annoyed. Well, you know, I don't know. Insert witty rejoinder here. I have no. I was thinking. I was trying to come up with some witty remark about you rappelling in through a window to stare at me, you know, uh, from outside in the hallway. But I, I got nothing. So. Uh, you know what? That gives me something to do on Sunday morning. Though I should. You know what? I wonder if they have one of those window cleaner apparatuses, and I could just sit outside your window. Well, you know. Uh, no, never mind. No, that wasn't going to be funny either. No, I had like two jokes in a row that just misfired right out of the gate. Right. You want to take a breather? You want to? You want to have a cup of coffee? No, no. Play some popcorn. Music? I don't think I need any more coffee. I really don't. You realize I've had two full-size Vizos and two cups of coffee within the space of about two hours. It seems like that's. It seems like that really ought to make me even more hyper than I am. I mean, so at that's this like point, eight cups of coffee. I mean, it, doesn't it's it seem like point. I ought to be more highly strung than I am at this point? I think it's there. Are, there's a point where I ingest so much caffeine that, in some weird way, it's sort of like, it's like a wheel that's so fast. Like drinking yourself still. sober. That's exactly what it's like, Sarah. Wait, what does that mean? It means like you best. Like I've heard people say that where they drink and drink and drink, and then to the point where all of a sudden they realize that they're not even drunk anymore, and they're just totally sober. That doesn't make any sense at all. I know. I swear. But here I am. I've had, I've had six hundred eight. I've had at least nine hundred milligrams of caffeine since eleven a.m. this morning, and here I am feeling pretty mellow and stable about everything. 
I could actually sure. go for a nap right now. Really, truth be told, if we're going to be upfront about things, I could probably go for a little snooze right up in my office. And I'd do that after I get off the air. I'm sorry, Dennis, I forgot you were there. That's okay. Uh, you, story of my life. Um, is there a cardiac unit in the building? Uh, we do. Have, I think we have a defibrillator in the kitchen, don't we? Oh, that was at the coin no, tower. The coin tower. It's the coin tower. So if you have a heart attack here, you're host. If you start to get a cardiac arrest here, you are effed, my friend. Well, they could enter opposite. Yeah. Hey, what is coming up in the world of miles around, Dennis Pitsenbarger? Well, um, another great show. We're going to have some uh, local racers on. Uh, I'm gearing up for my race tomorrow night in the Pro Fours out at Banks. Uh, we're going to do Car Wars, which Big Jim came up with a fabulous Car Wars. It's actually going to be the Flintstones Mobile versus the Beverly Hillbillies truck. So that ought to be a uh, I, I thought that one would clue in really well with my particular audience because, uh, you know, low IQ and barefoot. All I know about that, isn't the Beverly Hillbillies, you mean the thing in the beginning where the, the kin folks say Jed move away from there and then they pack everything into that weird beater that he's got? Yeah, it's some sort of, I don't even know, honestly, what kind of real truck it is. It's some sort of patched together, uh, you know, redneck mobile. Well, all right then. But that's about it, brother. I just thought I'd call and say hi. I haven't had a chance to talk to you all week. This call has just been one big misfire, and it's all on this side of the table. It's totally me. That is all me for mishandling this call from Jump, my friend. That's okay. Why don't I do this? Miles around tomorrow, AM 970. I'll see you guys later. All right. Thank you, sir. There you go. Dennis Fitzgerald, ladies and gentlemen. All right. You know, Dennis is just, I'm so used to having him in the studio. You know, he no longer, because, you know, he used to do the Miles Around show, and then he was selling. He was an AE upstairs. And he's then, not so much doing the selling anymore. No, so he, he left that job, so now he's doing miles around, but he's no longer in the building. So I'm so used to having him in the studio uh, that the phone dynamic is just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, i gotta, I got to yeah, readjust my... People have been waiting for a while. But first of all, this email says, Rick, I think we can all rule out ADHD. If hyperactivity was a problem for you, don't you think you'd get off the couch and ride your bike a little bit more? I'm just saying. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir, madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, you were talking to Jim earlier about, like, drum solos and stuff. Yes, I, sir. Uh, I want to say the, uh, the rough tickets I got from you guys, Neil Peart's uh, uh, solo on Sunday night was incredible. I, we had a great time. I just want to thank oh, yeah, you cause he's, all cause he's Because he's Neil Peart. I mean, that's the thing. is, And I'm not much of a Rush fan. I'm kind of a casual Rush fan. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, the, 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 they are just... They are just not of this world. I mean, that's yeah. the thing about the guys in Rush. And Rush really are amazing. I mean, I would, I would say that they are like Led Zeppelin in the sense that they almost alone among rock bands... In my opinion, Rush combines the sort of talent of a progressive rock band with the songwriting skills of a very sort of stripped-down mainstream rock band. They straddle that line better better than anybody else, probably, them and Zeppelin. We, uh, I, I got to take a good friend of mine who is an absolute Rush fanatic, and he could never afford to go something like that, and... He was. This was. He was seriously going to that concert on Sunday night. He got. It was one of those life things. He got to check off the list. So yeah, he had a great time. And we had. We bumped into good friends of ours right behind us, about three rows back. That he was at his eighth Rush show. So we, we just had a great time. Uh, it, it's oh, it's, great. it's, it's great. like I, I love this, good concert stories. And I mean, especially when you get to check something off the list. You know, when you get to see them and you're like, okay, like when you done. met Aaron Sorkin. Like meeting Aaron Sorkin. Yes, uh, I saw the one and only time I saw Rush it was at UNLV in '96. When they were they were touring, I guess that would have been the counterparts record, maybe something. Anyway, but they were but the deal is they were playing the first half of twenty one twelve all the way through on that tour. Oh man! And you know, like all kind of you know mainstream Rush fans, you know that's 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 my favorite Rush album. And uh, and just to just to see Rush play twenty one twelve, you know, the first half all the way through, yeah. uh, it was just astounding. It's like when I saw Queensrÿche play Operation Mindcrime front to back. I mean, it was just yeah. you know it was one of those singular concert experiences. I, I've never been to a concert where. They sounded so much like they do on their album. Yeah. That was that was great. You and, know, uh, 
one other thing. They played Tom Sawyer, and my friend who had been, this was his eighth show. Right. My, my, my other friend that was sitting behind us, that was, this was his eighth Rush show, and he said that they, this is the first time you ever seen it played in concert, but I guess they just got sick of playing it. I think they or, played it when I saw them, and, you know, and, and, you know, I think they must have retired it for a while because they got to figure, because I don't really know a lot of people who go to Rush concerts who aren't already fans. You know, they're not like a band that you'll just check out because you have nothing better to do that night. I mean, I think, exactly. you know, it's like, I think it's like going to see uh, Bob Dylan, you know, and expecting that he's going to play Blowing in the Wind. I mean, I think there's just a point where you realize you can retire some of those songs because the people in the concert don't necessarily clamor to hear it. When I saw Rush, they played all the big ones. They played Free Will and Limelight and all that stuff. But I think they might have played Tom Sawyer, but frankly, I think that's I may have gotten up to take a whiz at that point. So, all right, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was the best little. Did you hear that butthead laugh? Oh no, he did the he did the best little. <laughs> uh, all right, excellent. Um, I love it when we have like cool things to give away and then you know go to somebody who really really. Appreciate that. Yeah, like you know, you need to give the rush tickets to some tool. I'm not gonna go see him. Yeah, I mean, you know, the people who and people who are into rush are very, uh, are very into rush. Here's the other great thing about going to see Rush, because uh, it's just it's all dudes. And uh, but you know, Neil Peart is kind of the best drummer in the history of everything. And when he does these little drum fills, like on um, Temples of Syrinx or something, you'll just see, as Disturbed would say, just like ten thousand hands in the air, really all at once, like do 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 do, like all. It's I don't like think a, I could. Even, I don't even know a Rush song. Um, yeah, you do. You know, you know Tom Sawyer probably. Exit the Warrior. Today's Tom Sawyer. Mean, mean, whatever. No, 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 no. Wow, 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 wow. Do you know? Um, do you know? Uh, living in the limelight, the universal dream. No. You know that? No. It's okay. You probably, you probably, I don't know. You might be a Rush fan. They're a little thinky. They're a little brainy. I, I like the thinky. Yeah, they're a little brainy. They have some. They really have some beautiful songs. Uh, but yeah, you go to see just like ten thousand hands in the air, all replicating every single. Oh yeah, I do know Rush. Film. Yeah. Uh, let me let's do some more of these, and then we'll uh, read a great and creepy email. Um, and then uh, we'll welcome Scott Daly. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, that Willamette uh, Willamette Week um, vote that we did uh, a few weeks back. The for... best of Portland. Yeah, wasn't that the best talk show host that wasn't crazy? Yes, it is. I think it's the best radio host that is not bat s crazy. Yeah, I, I'm just you know wondering is, is that how? <laughs> well, I guess Are you regretting your vote. I guess if Court and Fat Boy win now, we'll know why that was. I guess. Hey, and uh, just uh, one thing, you know, uh, uh, Neil Peart is a professor of music. Like literally, actually? Yes, actually. A buddy of mine went up to Canada and actually sat in his class. Oh, how cool would that be? It was cool because it's a percussion class, and he actually had a kit sitting there, and it's for an hour and a half. Wow. Through different ways to do drum fills and how you do this, and if it's classical, you do this, and... I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even a drummer. I can't even imagine what that would be like. It's like I was watching this. This sounds like a dumb comparison, but I was watching that Friday the 13th documentary, and Tom Savini, who is really, really well-known to horror movie fans, Tom Savini is considered the, the best makeup and gore effects artist of all time. I mean, if you think of the great gory scenes in horror films and slasher movies, Tom Savini did all those effects, and now he teaches a makeup class. And it's just, it's weird to think of guys like that, actually, that you could walk into a classroom somewhere and, and Neil Peart is your drum teacher. How insane would that be? It was, he said it was insane. And he went up there. I spent a boatload of money just, just for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. And that makeup guy, is, is, is he the same guy that invented the squibs? I don't know if he invented squibs. Tom Savini, uh, he, I'm trying to think, he sort of looks like, um, he, I'm trying to think of who he who to compare him to. He sort of looks like Mandy Patinkin, if you know who that is. But uh, 
Yeah, he. I mean, he did the first Friday the Thirteenth movie. He did. I mean, he did Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and I mean, just all of the classic seventies and eighties gory horror films. Tom Savini really created all of those sort of appliances and all the techniques for simulating like really horrific like wounds and whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. he was the first guy to ever do a plaster cast of somebody's head, right? And, I, then, and then make the mask from that so yeah, it fits perfectly. Yeah, he pioneered all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, let's welcome Scott Daly to the show. How about that? Let me see if I can find a little piece of music with which to welcome Scott Daly. Oh, wait, he has his own... See, we didn't lose that one. We lost Aaron's. I'm going to replace Aaron's theme at some point. Welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show from Film Fever Radio. Scott Daly. Jesus, you're tall. Hi. He's always been tall. I guess I'm not I, normally I sitting when you come into the studio. That is true. I mean, I really just to get a perspective now on how unbelievably tall you really are. Yes, I am a tall individual. All right. Have you been listening to the unraveling crazy today? I'm not I unraveling. Fascinating. You know what? I sound perfectly normal today. Explains a lot, really. Don't I? Don't I? <laughs> I don't know. Look at me when I talk to you. Machine gun under there. <laughs> I feel very calm today, actually. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're very, you're very calm, Rick. Well, look, according to this, I'm only in 93. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's 100. Who wants to hear kind of a cool, weird, creepy email from a guy about his shrink? I do. Okay, so we've got this. Uh, in fact, this, this one absolutely, I think, requires that I play the... Uh, this situation absolutely requires... All right. This is from... Um, well, I won't use his name. It's nobody we... we you know, there's n- nobody who comes on the show, but the, I, will, I will not identify him. Because I was talking about how the shrink I saw this morning was hot. It says, dude, my therapist is hot beyond belief. That's the subject line. Truly, I say to you, my therapist is gorgeous and a half. Also, she's a grad student, so we're both basically the same age. I'm 27. I'm trying to think of a celebrity she resembles, but none comes close. Rick, you got to know that I'm a slut. This is from a man. Because <laughs> I'm a slut... So this is problematic because I'm having a lot of transference for her. She sort of encouraged me to transfer onto her, though. Transference is when you have feelings for your therapist and is quite common, uh, which I actually have heard. I've heard that transference is... Th- so, like, if you have feelings about somebody in your life you're trying to resolve, you transfer them onto the therapist who acts like a proxy, and you sort of fix them with the therapist or whatever. Oh, I guess weird. That, I guess it happens a lot. It's basically getting a crush on your doctor because they're the one, like, healing you or whatever. And I guess it happens a lot. As huh. a therapist, I would think you'd have to be pretty strong to, well, to listen, take that. Listen yeah. to this, Scott Daly. <laughs> um, take something? I've had a lot of transference for her. Transference is when you have feelings for your therapist, and it's quite common. I think she may be counter-transferring, when the th- that is when the therapist has feelings for the client. She always compares herself to my exes, and my therapist tells me that, quote, what happens out there can play out in here, end quote. <gasps> and if we're not talking, we just sit there and stare intently at each other. I've had other therapists, and the eye contact thing was nothing like it is with her. So, yeah, I'd stay away from a hot therapist, Rick, especially because you're married. My therapist is very professional and has never crossed any boundary. But I do have feelings for her, and it would suck if I wasn't single. I have told my therapist that I have feelings for her, and she asked me if I want to have sex with her. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which made me very nervous and made me nearly bolt from the session. By the way, ADHD means attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It used to be ADD, but now it's mostly ADHD, even though you don't have to be, or even though you do not have to be hyperactive if you had diagnosed that way. Blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah, da, blah. By the way, about Ritalin, it's prescribed to adolescents because it stabilizes them, whereas it acts like meth in adults. But, so how about that thing about the shrink? That's incredible. 
The shrink asked me if I want to have sex with her. That's bizarre. I've, I've seen I've seen two shrinks in my life, and both have been female. But there's always that hope, you know, when you get up there, it's like, well, what's she gonna look like? What's now, do you hope like? for a hot shrink? See, at first, yeah, but then when you sit down and start talking and really kind of and start just because then you can't releasing. confess anything embarrassing. Exactly, you know what I mean? because it's embarrassing. It's not a shrink thing. So That's luckily, the they are both middle-aged. You know, your typical shrink yeah. woman. They weren't, you know, Dr. Malfi or anything. I mean, because then you can't be like, and sometimes I just sit at home and I connect my own, collect my own navel lint in a jar. You know, because you don't want to say that to some hot, you know, shrink. Crazy. So you have yeah. to, you know, so when the shrink is like, so what do you do for relaxation? I uh, sit around and I lift weights before helping the poor and talking to my mother. That's when I'm not repelling mountains, you know, and it's like you just, you know, so it's better if you have a shrink, I guess. So like the shrink I'm going to see this afternoon, as I stand here, he looks like Burl Ives. That's totally, perfect. Yeah. See, yeah. He's just like an old bearded guy. He's like, so Rick, how's it going? And smoking I mean, jacket in the pipe. Completely. Yeah. No, he totally, he totally looks like that. He does. Sweet. He, he looks a lot like, um, he looks a lot like Sigmund Freud with like a more, tro like, with like, uh, but without the, uh, you know, without the pipe. That's the, it. The, the office has to be this mahogany desk, totally. you know, with the big leather chairs, the dark and red. And there's a soothing fountain right outside oh, of the window. Great. Oh, nice. You sit in the that's office, perfect. there's a window, and then there's a fountain right outside. So, so this would be actually one of the first times that I haven't had a really a really hot shrink. So, uh, so we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, um, should we break early and then we can get back and do some news with Tim and then do the top five? What are you I reviewing? Do, today? I've got a review for you. Don't mess with the Zohan. Oh God, that movie looks terrible. Well, uh, let's talk about it now and then we'll okay. break. We'll come back. Top five and Court and Fatboy. So, don't mess with Zohan, which is that has the Apatow. Uh, that has the Apatow name on it. Uh, it's written by Adam Sandler, Robert Smigel, and wait, Joe Robert Apatow. Smigel, TV Funhouse. Yes, yeah. Triumph. Triumph. Triumph, the comic yes. insult. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so you got a script: Sandler, Smigel, and Apatow. Gold, right? So you would think. So you would think. This is the biggest pile of dog ass I have ever seen in my entire it life. So <laughs> a bad. pile of dog ass. It's, no, ass. Oh, I think you said ass. <laughs> well, that too. It's like a pile that of too. dog ass. It's so bad. You can smell it. You can see the bits of corn in it. It's terrible. This is a bad, bad, bad movie. This is the worst movie I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'm serious. I've walked out of one movie. I have Norbit at home. I'll bet Norbit's funnier. Okay. I'll bet at least Norbert, you, you LOL. I mean, a little I mean bit. here's the thing. Adam Sandler, you, you know, he has, I, he's a mixed bag sometimes, a little Nicky, but he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. This movie is not funny. There's one movie I've walked out on in my childhood. Have you guys ever walked out on the movie? Um, I don't think so. I haven't walked out on a movie. I will tell you, I only made it three quarters of the way through Norbit, and I just finally had it. Okay, but it I mean, was like water. Torture. I mean, like a movie theater. No. We're seeing a movie, well, and you just I have enough, and you leave. I can't remember the last time I walked out on a movie. Okay, Sarah? Because um, I'm a stingy bastard. If I paid, I watch it. Yeah, I yeah. think, you know what? I did walk out of um, this horrible movie. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. Well, I haven't seen the full thing. Uh, Simply Irresistible with Sarah Michelle Gellar in it and <laughs> the guy from Powder. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Factors, and, it is the worst movie I have ever seen. And plus, I always like to be able to, to, to because I don't want to be that guy where I go, that movie sucks. And they go, did you watch the whole thing? No. no. And then they go, well, you can't say that it sucks. I always like to watch it to the, to the end just so I can say wholeheartedly, I saw the whole thing and it blows. Which is exactly why I stuck through all of you don't mess with the Zohan. I was with my girlfriend. She turned to me halfway through it. Can we go? Like, uh, <laughs> no, I really can't. I gotta review it. As she went to use the restroom, she was gone for like twenty minutes. <laughs> I thought she left. Yeah. Well, all right. I guess she's sitting out there looking for a drinking fountain, checking her messages, cleaning the, her shoes. The one movie I walked out on halfway through was Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, dude! I when they were when they busted out Respect 2000, I didn't even walk. I into turned that. to my best friend Dave. I said, "Are we done here?" He gets over. Oh, were, were you done. reviewing it? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only time I've watched out of movie for a few purposes. Um, so don't so mess with the Zohan. So this is just from the get-go? Is it just okay, terrible? From the get-go, Adam Sandler plays a Mossad uh, agent, uh, you know, in Israel who, who's, who's fighting, you know, the, the Palestinian-Israeli war is still going on. And he's a super agent. He can stop bullets with his fingers. He can stop bullets with his teeth. He can. He's a superhero. He can go and do whatever he wants. But his real dream is to go to New York to become a famous hairdresser. Oh, Based geez. off a book, a 1987 book of Paul Mitchell hair designs. So he wants to go work with Paul Mitchell in New York. That's his dream. Well, he fakes his own death uh, after a big fight with the Phantom, played embarrassingly by John Turturro. Uh, and he goes to New York to pursue his dream. Uh, well, of course, he winds up in New York, and, of course, Paul Mitchell lasts him because he gets a haircut known as the Avalon, uh, you know, circa 1987. Right. Um, and while he's in New York, he, he struggles, and he finds himself living in an Israeli section of New York, and he gives himself at a, hair sal- a job at a hair salon. The thing is, the hair salon is owned by a hot Palestinian. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. It gets where It gets better. And then the whole time he he's begging the girl, her. The girl is the one who played E's girlfriend right? from uh, Entourage. From exactly, exactly. She's a Palestinian. He's an Israeli. They're both white gold. So uh, while he's working at this salon, he's God. you know they basically hire him to sweep up, and he gets a chance to finally do his dream. To finally he gets to cut some hair, and he does it. And he and he this little woman. But not only does he does he give her the best head massage and you know all the sexual innuendos for Please shampoo. Please choreographed dance too. No, it's not a choreographed dance, but he takes the lovely middle-aged or older Jewish women in the back and uh, does a little Warren Beatty a la shampoo style uh, on them throughout the whole movie. Okay, so there's that subplot. There's a subplot of the hot Palestinian. There's a subplot of Rob Schneider who is a, a Palestinian. I am out. I have pulled the ripcord. Do I need to say more? No. I mean, it's right. Just Rob Schneider, I'm done. This movie is terrible. It's not funny. It's almost insulting students to a certain part because the Whitey is portrayed one of two ways. All right, Whitey is either a, a, a extreme redneck who's oddly played by Dave Matthews, right, or you've got the man who's trying to bring down these neighborhoods so they can make a big mega mall. Well, that is what Whitey. And does. in the end, the end, I swear it's straight out of Do the Right Thing. The, the 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 Palestinian buildings are on fire. The the Israeli buildings are on fire across the street, and they're trying to bring harmony. At the very end, spoiler. At the very end, the Phantom <laughs> and Adam Sandler finally become one because they know that in America you can be friends. And what's happened over in Palestine and Israel? It's an old war and a stupid war, but we've got it. We we all just have to get along. So what so you're saying? Hold on. So you're saying that this is almost like a microcosm, exactly, of larger differences between peoples from different. There cultures. you go. This is Adam Sandler trying Spoiler. to bring peace to the. <laughs> this Thanks. Is Adam... Hey, I do it. You know, I gave the warning. This is Adam Sandler trying to bring peace to the Middle East. It's awful. Do not see this movie. Wait, Dear God, do not even, encourage them. Even with a bunch of beer, would it be funny? Ah. Uh... No. Maybe some beer and information. It might be funny. The last good Adam Sandler film. I really liked um, Punch Drunk Love. Mm. See? I'm just kidding. I don't know. Click. <laughs> Click was a better. Little Nicky was better than this movie. Okay. Well, there you go. Let's take a break. <laughs> Come back after this. More from Scott Daly. If you're on hold, hang tight. Uh, we've got the, uh, some phone calls we'll get to here in a moment. So if you're on hold, uh, hang tight. Back to the phones in a moment. Then the top five. We'll also start to court and fat boy and more news from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. We're here with Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. 
Uh, com. In just a few minutes, we'll be uh, graced by the presence of Corden Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, still to come. What? I need the adapter for this. Adapter? I don't... Uh... Did you bring it up to your office again? Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then an awkward silence is suit. Oh. Do you want me to go get it for you? Well... <laughs> Everything's falling apart. I don't know how to love. Uh, all right, so it's uh, Friday. Uh, we are coming up on the last uh, I don't know, segment of the show here. Uh, we're going to be doing the top five. We need the adapter. Richie, here's the thing. Richie Bristol, if you look at, the, you know, that if you go into my office, you know, there's a stereo system in my office. Um, to the to the left, you're going to see uh, a cable. It's an, it's an eighth-inch adapter that goes into the back of the studio and ends in two RCA plugs. If you can bring that down, we'll need that to play the top five off Skype. Don't you have a CD burner? Don't I do. We, you're always bringing it in the iPod. Now. That's a whole lot of jiggering everything around. Next time I'll bring in a CD. My apologies. All right. Lies. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I still don't understand what's going on in here. Yeah, yeah get in line, my friend. <laughs> Me either. It's a big ball of confusion. Hey, let's have a brand new bridge uh, going over to the I-5 over the Columbia River. The Metro Council voted 5-2 to two yesterday to endorse replacing that, which was built in 1917 to 1958. And is noted for a rush hour congestion. It's only going to cost $4.2 billion. How can a bridge cost any number of billions of dollars? It's just a road on sticks. That was a B? That's it. That's yeah, all it is. It's just, how much does it cost to build a road, Tim? I haven't built one lately. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't have these Seriously. But it's just a road that's on stilts. Yeah. It, if it costs, let's say, I mean, it's the absolute outside. If it costs a billion dollars... And it can't cost a billion dollars to make a goddamn road. Yeah, it's really fancy. Look at it. Looks like a spider or an octopus. But it's just a road. There are lots of little roads going. And a on road by and a road by definition is just a long, long ass driveway. That's all it is. A road yeah. by any name is just a so road. So you're yeah, you're building a long driveway and then you're just putting it on cement stilts. How can it cost four point two billion dollars? You know what it is? That's graft and greasing, Tim. That's what that is right there. Yeah, but they got a bit of labor. Somebody's got to build this bridge and they got to count at least a dozen people are going to get killed okay. doing it. I'm going to make. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> that's going to be some cash settlement somewhere. It's so easy to pass. A bridge isn't built like two hours. Already calculating for grieving families. $4.2 Those widows can't feed themselves, Tim. <laughs> All because people want to go to the coop for some reason. <laughs> well, they're we're really... building this railroad wrecking downtown to bring near-do-wells up from Clackamas. <laughs> <laughs> they're spending billions on that. Why not waste more money on a road going to Vancouver? <laughs> Your government at work. <laughs> what was the question? I don't know. For the life of me, I don't know. Well, I guess I'm all done for now. I can't remember. Really <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to attempt to do the top five here in just a second. But then, um, let's uh, let's, uh, let's uh, over on this other. Let's on mic three here, Court and Fatboy. If you want to uh, come over to this third mic over you here. Can use this one. Quick. Well, I don't want to sully Tim's microphone. Oh, I'm all done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a figurative washing of the hands right there. You could just hear it in his tone. Court uh, and Fatboy, Rock on One KUFO. Hello. Okay, a bridge is not just a road. It's a road that's you, on stilts. You have to build. Yeah, you have to build it over water. I mean, if you're just dumping concrete on ground, sure, that's that's cheap. But you if gotta, you had to describe a bridge to somebody who wasn't from here, how would you describe it? 
A road that goes like, over the water. Like, what do you mean from here? Like, Earth? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. If I got to describe what a bridge is to somebody, chances are they're a total retard and I'm wasting my time. <laughs> if you were speaking to somebody who came from Some a place... better left unsaid. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying, at, at its base, it's an elevated road. I'm just saying it seems like a bit of an excessive figure. That's the only point I'm making. You're not going to win. <laughs> because, wait, hold on. You're not going to win because I am not uh, cooperative. I am argumentative, and I do not accept opinions that differ from my own. That's the opinion of Multnomah County Mental Health. Fair you enough. Bastard. <laughs> You're going to carry that thing around with you, aren't you, everywhere you go? I'm going to laminate it and put it in my wallet. I don't have to cooperate. I'm crazy. Those of us who spend four hours a day here already know that. <laughs> Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. On that, we can all agree, my friends. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the air all the way to the lights. All right, well, in any event. Uh, the microphone is humming. I'm touching it right now, and it's just it's vibrating with awesomeness right now. It knows you're not Tim. <laughs> so, um... I'm looking at the calls. These calls don't make any sense. Somebody about worst movie ever. Somebody about shrinks. Somebody about Top Chef. And somebody calling it. It just says Rads. R A D S. Okay. Well, we have like ten minutes left in the show, so if you want to do the top five, we probably need to get cracking. Well, let's talk about uh, the midnight movie then, and we'll uh, attempt to roll that here. Top Gun tonight, eleven o'clock. Baghdad Theater. Three bucks to get in. Maybe yeah. this guy's calling about Top Gun and not Top Chef. That seems likely. Maybe now that I'm sort of to looking at the screen. Top Chef. Well, let's take this call. We'll plug that, and then we'll do the top five. Hi. Hello. Hey, Rick, you know, I, I want to talk about Top Chef, but it ties into Solomon Rushdie. I don't know if any of you have seen that Top Chef, but there's kind of like a hot model that hosts it, and uh, that's his uh, that's his bride. So I thought Wait, that's... so Solomon Rushdie is married to the hot chick that hosts Top Chef? That's it. You know, it, I mean, really, what? if you are any kind of celebrity at all, I mean, you're a guy who just sits in a windowless room putting words on paper, and you get to bang the girl that hosts Top Chef. Good for you, Solomon Rushdie. Yeah, well, that's, that's something. And, hey, by the way, um, they wanted 12000 bucks to do my driveway, and it's not that big. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> have a good one. Bye now. All right. Shall we roll the top five? Do you guys have headphones? No, but I can kind of hear what's yeah. coming. All right, let's do Because you are rock DJ, so I, I you can, can see his list, and I can, can already weigh in on this. Here, uh, oh. That's what I like to hear. Uh, so in the absence of Tim, uh, Scott Daly, I'll go ahead and right. I'll go ahead and cut it. Right. Are you kidding me? Really? Yes. Whatever. Shut up. <laughs> it's really funny that Court's in here for this. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a Pink Floyd enthusiast. Yes, I am. One of the greatest albums of all time is Pink Floyd's The Wall. While the album has produced some of the most well-known songs in the Floyd's career, such as Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 and Comfortably Numb, The Wall is only a peek into the greatness of Pink Floyd. So now, Scott Daly counts down his top five Pink Floyd songs that are not from the mall, with honorable mention being Jug Band Blues. I say, vamping, waiting for the uh, minutes, waiting for the song to begin. I'll bring it to you next time, I There we go. I can hear that. There we go. All right. Okay. I picked this song, one, because it's a quirky song. Two, it's a Sid Barrett song. Uh, this is on the Saucer Full of Secrets, their second album. And it's really kind of a peek into the madness that Sid Barrett was going into. Um, the opening line is, It's awfully considerate of you to think of me here. And I'm much obliged to you for making it clear that I'm not here. Which is really telling and really interesting, I think. I really like how goofy the song is. And all the goofy instruments are played by a Salvation Army band in studio with them. 
You court, you you bumped off <laughs> so many songs to put this song on. Now, I, you know, I, I was never a Sid Barrett fan. I mean, okay. I know that there's a lot of difference. There's well lots done. of Barrett fans out there. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I can't get behind I it. I think better of you now. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I, and I think less of you, Scott Dallas. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Court. More importantly, uh, number five from the album of the same name, uh, The Final Cut. Oh. <laughs> I love this song. This is like when I went to my Why port. Why do this? <laughs> 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 Yes, this is a nice, depressing downer song, but damn, it's very—it's a very powerful song, as far as I'm concerned. And, and no one can be depressing and powerful and make a song about suicide like Roger Waters. Off the album that destroyed the band, <laughs> Roger Waters destroyed the well, band. This album is kind of like the Wall, but even more so. This is like a Roger Waters solo album. Yeah, yeah it really is. This is his. First I've written solo. an album. Play it for me. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I just starts out kind of quiet. Right, I chose poorly. <laughs> it's getting really hot. All the know. things I do, <laughs> really things I do differently. <laughs> for, for a split second, I thought he was gonna bust into "Someday We'll Find It." <laughs> Rainbow I just like how the song crescendos. It's a very powerful song. You know your defenses of this of these songs that they just suck. No, you're, they, they really you're do. not really making your case right. very well. Right. Counting on the top these five songs. These are my songs. top five, not you What's guys. The wall? Number What's four, three, four, three, four. Four. For four. I will actually agree with this song. This is a, a, a much um, underappreciated song from Pink Floyd. This is off an album called Obscure by Clouds, which is actually the soundtrack to a French film called, called La Vallée. Um, one of those hippy-dippy late 60s French films. Naked Girls in it? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. This is a pretty great song. It is a great song. Do they very, very McCartney. Oh yeah. Lots of fields. Well, the song is playing. Are they skipping yes, a frolic? Okay. Well, no, because this song is more about death and old age. Oh. But so you can skip into old age and die yeah. sure. <laughs> while you're talking to yourself as you die. Yeah, this is like jump ropes full of daisies, you know? This I is, know. Yeah. Counted on the top five Pink Floyd songs, not from the wall. Number three, Echoes. Echoes. I love that. I'm one of those people who like the long songs. This song is 23 and a half minutes <laughs> long. It takes up the entire side two of metal. And it's a really neat song. And this song always reminds me of the Oregon coast. And Oregon Coast is one of my favorite. It's where I want to go when I die is the Oregon Coast. And uh, this song just, just reminds me. Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. I want, to go, I want to retire on the Oregon Coast. I want to buy a house like on the coast. Yeah, I'm going to tell like you right now City. what I envisioned when you said that. All right. Aaron Duran with a coffee can full of your ashes <laughs> standing on a cliff. I was actually referring to the fact that this song just appears to be... Well, okay, now there's actual music happening, yeah. at least. It yeah. takes a long takes time a long to ramp up. It's a 23-minute song. <laughs> it's got a half hour. That's like an episode of the Cosby Show. That's it's exactly got a what to go. it is. You know, exactly. I really dig this song. Again, you're, this song over so many of the other, the other songs, it's just, what is wrong with you, sir? Epic fail, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this I, is educational it, for me, because I haven't really heard of any of them. And I stand cool. by this song. That's another thing I wanted to do. I wanted to have this list be songs that are not very well known. Like, when you think Big Floyd, you think Money, you think Another Brick in the Wall. Mm-hmm. These are songs that not a lot of people know. It's just like rain dripping off a ceiling. Yes. All right. Counting now the top five Pink Floyd songs not from the wall. Number two, The Great Gig in the Sky. Oh, Come on. Yeah. Come How on great now. is this? Yeah, yeah. 
This one's good. This is a beautiful song. You know what's great about it is the woman who does the background wailing on this. Yeah. I love her already because she is the same woman that does the background wailing on Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Really? That woman in the background goes, it's just a shot away. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's the same woman. Well, Richard Wright wrote this song, the keyboard player for Pink Floyd, and uh, they recorded it. And basically, I think either Gilmore or Waters said, we need something else. And uh, they played the song for her, put her in a studio and said, do what you want with it. And she right. just started belting it And out. I think she was sort of confused. She was like, there's no words. And like, they like, like, just didn't do feel it. Like, do what, do what you want. And yeah. just an amazing, beautiful song. And her voice just, oh, You know, there's some of those albums that are so popular that they... They can they run the risk of becoming cliches, you know the sort of freebird syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Dark Side of the Moon is one of those records that I've never it, got tired of it. Oh no, that it deserves the reputation. So many of those albums don't deserve the acclaim and the reputation and the staying in the charts for 20 years or whatever. This album deserves it. There's I mean, a, it's it's a, it's solid. From there's the a great show on VH1 Classic called uh, Classic Albums. Yeah, where that. they break yeah. down each album and they do one of Dark Side of the Moon. And I can watch that over and over. Well, this, this sounds like a rite of passage for, for teenagers. Absolutely. You have, to, you have your Dark Side of the Moon phase. That's so right. Yeah, I remember buying it in high school and yeah. driving around listening to this. And one of the biggest compliments I can give this record is, is it it is really a one of the quintessential stoner records that still works if you're stone cold sober. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. just sober, the record is still genius. And you can't say that about a lot of music that is sort of meant to be listened to chemically enhanced. Counting on the top five Pink Floyd songs not on the be. wall. Scott Daly. Pink, uh, brain damage. Brain damage eclipse. Yes. I know, granted, Eclipse is the second song, but it's really kind of put together. Last two tracks on Dark Side of the Moon again. But this, this is the song that I heard that made me instantly fall in love with Pink Floyd. I'd heard another Brick in the Wall. I'd heard, you know, Money. But I heard this song, and I was, like, hooked. Because this is such a beautiful, melodic song. And just, uh, I, I like it. I like Eclipse is so heartbreaking. Uh, oh, so fantastic. And I love the fact that this is Waters, that it's just one big down. Yeah. It's just one big down ending, as Dante Hicks would say. You yeah. know? Yeah, it really is. But but it's a great way to end the, the Dark Side of the Moon, too. Yeah. Because it just stopped. They almost called the get. album Eclipse. That was almost the name yeah. of the record. Yeah, that's right. That was the testing for Court? Uh, no, I don't disagree with this. Um, I, it kind of hurts me that you didn't put time on there or have a cigar. One of the, well, one of the greatest bass uh, you know, lines in, in any Pink Floyd song. I agree. Have a cigar. I agree. I, um, I'm not a huge fan of the song Have a Cigar, but time, if I if I had put time on here, it would have been, you know, not on the wall, but Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I know there was so many I could have done. It really is great. I really like Us and Them, too. Us and Them. Uh, How great is that? So beautiful. Uh, and see, I go to the wall for a lot of the deep cuts on the wall, like um, like Vera. Yeah, I love just little, not almost throwaway tracks like that. Yeah, and no love for animals on your list. Oh, I love I animals. Love animals. I thought I was the only one. No, I love animals. As oh. an album, the an- animals is one album I have to listen to all the way through, and I love every single second. On animals, animals is so animals great. Is my favorite and you never really album. meet other people that like that oh. like animals. Yeah, dogs is amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, while we're doing this, according to Fatboy tonight, uh, Top Gun. Indeed, yes. Baghdad uh, Theater, three dollars to get in. I would suggest you show up sometime around nine thirty ish, ten o'clock ish, um, simply because they got beer and tots there. Sure. So why wouldn't you hang out and have some beer and tots? That is Top Gun. I can't wait for this tonight. Fighter jets and lube dudes. I can't wait. It's <laughs> gonna be awesome. Tony Scott and his greatness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that sound. It's so great. It's just like the last moments of a prison rape, you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, Court and Fatboy, Rock 101, KUFO, 7 to midnight tonight, and Top Gun at the Baghdad tonight. Mm-hmm. Three bucks. Yep. Uh, be of age and be there, my friends. We'll back to wrap it up after this. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. And 
And here we are back again almost momentarily. You know, it's very appropriate that Court and Fat Boy are in here t- today. When we recorded our show this week, they very rudely busted in and uh, and, and uh, interrupted our show for a good five or ten minutes. So, well, thanks, guys. The reason being, Aaron had done the exact thing that uh, Fat Boy had done on the same day uh, oh, with, with the uh, Battlestar intro. Oh, really? Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the Battlestar yeah. intro that, that Fat Boy played you. Apparently, Aaron had made one almost identical that day, was getting ready to roll it out on their show. Heard, it, heard yeah. our intro on the way in. Yeah. Hey, and, speaking of Battlestar, is tonight the final Battlestar the, no, uh, until they finish it up? There's one more episode after this. So, there's, there's one more the week. penultimate for yeah, this year? It's the penultimate. Well, actually, it might come back in September is what I'm hearing. Okay. So, we might, we might not have to wait till 2009. Oh, that'd be great. Maybe. I don't know. I'll put a call into Katie. We'll see what's up. Yeah, yeah, Talk to Katie, too, she said. Yeah, we'll see what's up. Right. Um, how long do I got? Like 40 seconds? Do I dare take a call? You know I've touched her before. Well, you know... <laughs> no, come on. Get your Richie on over there? <laughs> you know I had sex last night. Do I uh, hello. Like- Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye now. Last call got, of the week. I got compared to Richie. Dude, I don't even know. And apparently... You, you hussy, uh, oh. Sarah apparently knows. Can I say that you know the identity? Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Too late. Know. Sarah knows the identity, whoever it is. I don't. Well, you said you didn't want to know. It's I don't want to know, but here's the thing. Know. I don't want to know. Now we don't have time to talk about it. But I don't, don't want anybody else I don't, to know. I don't, don't want to know, but I'd like to know that I, that I had the ability. In other words, I'd like to know that he would tell me if I asked. Apparently, he won't tell me, even though I maybe he don't want to. Maybe he didn't tell me. He did. Maybe he did. <laughs> I'm just saying I'd like to know that if I asked, he would give me the information. I'd like to know that I have the power to know, even though I choose not to use it. <laughs> but you don't want to know. No, Todd. You don't want to know. I'm not stupid. You're stupid. Quit looking at me. <laughs> All right. Court and Fatboy tonight. The uh, Baghdad, 7 to Midnight, Rock 101, KO4, and Top Gun as well. Yes. Scott Dowley from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, tomorrow, Car and Driver Radio, 6 to 9, miles around 9 to 11. We'll see you on Monday, 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't let the bastards grind you now. Watch out for snakes. I'm huge. Bye.